Good morning. This is the February 9th, uh, 2023 planning board session. Uh, I'd like to welcome all of the commissioners who are present. Uh, Roberta Panera is online and Commissioner Presley is online. And we have David Hill here. Uh, for two seconds, I'd like uh, Deborah Borden to introduce a new deputy council. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, this is Deborah Borden, General Counsel for the Commission. I would like to introduce to my right uh, Michael Aniton. He has joined our team as the new Deputy General Counsel for the Commission. Uh, Mr. Aniton um, was most recently the General Counsel at the Columbia Association and before that worked uh, 10 years for the DC government. And before that was uh, a Marine Corps JAG officer for a number of years. So we are very excited and very lucky to have him. And um, we just want to welcome him to the commission. Well, well welcome. Well, we'll uh, hope for your good advice in the future and uh, hope you get settled in quickly. Thank you. And welcome to Wheaton. Um, <laughs> All right, well, uh, February 9th uh, was an interesting day in history. In, uh, in 1963, uh, Robert F. Kennedy completed a hike along the CNO Canal from Great Falls to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. It's part of the 50-mile frenzy hikes inspired by John Kennedy. Uh, the hike has been repeated by Free Walkers Incorporated since 2013. Uh, for those of you who are so inclined, the next uh, Free Walkers Kennedy 50-mile hike is scheduled for Saturday, February 4th, 2023. That can't be. That was passed. Um, see, it is history. <laughs> and, and, and look at all the work we've already saved you. Uh, and uh, Mr. Hill has something to say. Yeah, on the subject of counting history, I would like to call out National History Day program in the county. Um, this is like a science fair, but for the social sciences, it's a national student competition for history projects of original student scholarship, engaging the rising generation in historical endeavor. Paraphrasing a friend of mine, if we want to have future historians or even interested citizens, we must create them. Montgomery History is running the county portion of the National History Day coordinated with the county schools. Lately, MCPS has included projects this project into its advanced learning curriculum. There may be as many as 4,000 student participants, and the best of the projects in Montgomery County will advance to the state and national levels in further competition. The theme this year is Frontiers in History, People's Places and Ideas. The End County Judging and Awards will be on March 4th at Northwood High School in Silver Spring. The public's welcome to spectate, and good fortune to all the participants. Also, the organizers are still recruiting volunteer judges. If you'd like to get more information, you can go to the website at montgomeryhistory.org and look under the events menu in History Day 2023. So just a shout out. Uh, that, that's great. And, and again, for those of you paying attention, that's March 4th, 2023, which is in the future. <laughs> Always exciting to have that. All right. Um, we have some preliminary matters. Uh, we have approval of minutes for January 19th and January 26th. I understand Commissioner Hill has some uh, amendments he 
would seek. Yeah, there's, um, there's an editorial change on page 9, which I think is a mixed up word, and there's a dangling line on page 20. And then uh, I had made comments about the application for the uh, K-9 Center and um, that it was a win-win, but I wanted to make sure those comments were uh, either recorded as after the regulatory vote was made or uh, if it's awkward to do that in the, in the, uh, in the minutes, uh, they don't contribute to the actual decision made, and I would suggest dropping them. So I've referred that to staff. And uh, we, we can make those amendments and approve the minutes yes. uh, as amended? Uh, I'll entertain a motion to approve the minutes. I uh, move that we approve the minutes of January 19th as submitted and as uh, edited or as uh, modified in this session. Second. All right. All those in favor say aye. 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 Okay. And thank you for those amendments. Okay. Where's that? <laughs> I get so confused up here. Okay. Um, uh, the closed session minutes uh, for January 19th will take up at a later date. Um, other uh, record plats. Here we got, we got another set of minutes. Oh, I thought we January did 26. both 19th and 26th. No, we just did. Oh, okay. All right. We have uh, the minutes of January 26th. Yeah, I also have an editor two here. Um, I'd like to memorialize the suggestion that the address of the uh, building on Wisconsin Avenue might be from Highland Avenue. It's not appropriate to act on that in the motion we have, but I'd like to keep that idea on the table uh, for anyone reading, reading that. Um, also, um, th there was a comment about the greenway at the back of that building, and I think it's important to mention that uh, we talked about uh, ground level access because it's part of the sector and guidelines. It's not a random idea that we were uh, talking about. And then I made a comment about preservation of, of um, garden apartments in Silver Spring, and I would prefer if that wording read, and historic preservation of best examples of garden-style apartments within Silver Spring area if the community will exist for it. And uh, amend the minutes in that way. Yeah. Um, so I hear a motion to approve the, the uh, January 26 uh, minutes as amended. So moved, Mr. Chairman. Second. Second. Sorry. All those in Go favor ahead. say aye. 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 The ayes have it. No, nobody uh, contesting the amended minutes. All right. And as I said, the, the closed session minutes will uh, approve at a later date. Um, we're on item two, and that's okay with everybody to go to item two as I look over. Yes. Uh, subdivision plat number 220 uh section 4 of Kenwood. Uh, this is a, uh, it's a public hearing on a record plat for which we have no speakers. Um, I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Chairman, I move that we um, accept, approve, the record plats, uh, excuse me, subdivision plat number 2202209960. Do I hear a second? I second it, Mr. Chair. Okay. Mr. Commissioner Pinero. Thank you. All those in favor say aye. 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 Everybody's in favor. That's a good thing. The record plats have proved. I'm sure I'll get that in two seconds at our first break to celebrate. <laughs>
Um, uh, we have regulatory extensions. We're still in the same session, so we're okay. Yes, I always look over to make sure our technology <laughs> is on board. <laughs> um, item three, uh, Ronami. Um, before we move on to that, Mr. Chair, um, 1A is a set of correct, a corrected resolution for oh, oh, Chevy oh, Chase Center. I, I forgot that. Yep. Um, I'm sorry. There, there, we do have a corrected resolution, which is not on my agenda here. Is it on my agenda on there? Yes. Um, and, and this dealt with a resolution that was passed by the former board for which we were not party to the hearing. But there were mathematical errors in it that the staff thinks uh, need to be corrected, uh, and they have provided us with that information. It's not a, it, it's sort of a mathematical fact <laughs> that's not in dispute, <laughs> but, but uh, for the sake of the record, we, we need to do that. Can I have a motion to approve the amended uh, resolution? And I can't find the, uh, it's site plan 82001021J. Exactly. As I was thinking about it. Um, can I have a motion to approve the uh, corrected minutes? Uh, corrected resolution. So moved. Second. I second it. All those in favor say aye. 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 I just want to tell you the, the um, uh, uh, I worked that out with uh, Ms. Vias to make sure that we weren't subjected to a listening to a meeting for which we could find no contact that would lead us to believe what the correction was. So um, you save some TV time. You can uh, now go on to uh, below decks if that's what you wish. Um, okay. Uh, I can't look at three things at, two th uh, at the same time. We're on the extension, right? Yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> item three. Item three. Thank you. <laughs> item three, one even. Um, uh, Redemead preliminary plan number one, uh, 20, 19, 0, 0, 1, 0. It's uh, a, an extension request number two. Staff recommends approval. Uh, there's no public testimony on this. Uh, the the um, board has uh, the staff memo and explanation in its packet. <coughs> Do I hear a motion? I move that we approve that extension for the reasons stated in the staff report. Second? Second. Okay. Thank you. It's always a speed contest on seconding here, which, which is good. Yes. Uh, that, that means we, we're anxious to approve the extension. Uh, all, all those in favor of the extension, say aye. 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 All ayes have it. I don't have to ask for no's. Um, okay. We then have another extension, and this is um, uh, Flats at Knowles Station, preliminary plan amendment number one. 2021003A and site plan amendment 82021003A, both extension number two, I believe. Um, uh, any discussion on this? Mr. Chair, I'll, I'll mention that I have a personal finding here that really suggests that this applicant didn't meet the burden of proof in their application. 
Um, there is no record at all of any kind of substance of what it is they're asking for. It simply says letters and respond to staff comments. And I think that's appropriate if you're asking for a publicly transparent regulatory exception. Understood. Yeah, I've, I want to agree with that because it, it, you know, what, what they're asking for is to change usage, which in a way um, could really affect um, the neighboring areas. Um, and, and it really doesn't reflect that in the application at all. Uh, of course, they're, they're not asking for a decision on any use. They're asking just to come to us another day, but understood. Um, okay. Um, oh, the applicant's here? Staff. Oh, staff. staff. Would you like to say anything? Good morning. Uh, Matthew Folden, Regulatory Supervisor for the Mid-County Division, and I'm joined today with uh, Troy Leftwich, who's the lead reviewer on the project, and I believe that uh, representatives from the applicant are also on the line. And um, we can discuss any of the outstanding technical issues, if you'd like more information about that or timing about the resubmittal, um, should that be helpful for you? If uh, it's not extended, what, what's the outcome? Uh, the application would be deemed... Um, dead. It, it expires, the review period expires, I think, the 12th of February. Is that right? Uh, let me say this. To gain my vote, uh, I need a reason of substance as to what is on the table that needs an extension. And uh, I don't think it's appropriate for staff to make that statement. I believe it's the applicant's burden. And if they're here, I would accept that as a, as a um, verbal submission to the record. But um, I agree. Are there, yes, uh, Commissioner Presley had her hand up, but I sense agreement. Commissioner Hill just asked for what I would, would like to hear from the hear from the applicant as to what justifies this. Do we have the applicant online? Uh, yes, my name is Tom Brault for the record from uh, Woodside Development and the applicant N509. Okay. So what are you responding to that took you longer time? Um, primarily excellent collaboration with your staff. And, and let me uh, thank you for your note about the, the history and the hike. I've personally done that as a fourth generation native <laughs> of our area. So, and my thoughts and uh, uh, prayers are with uh, the earthquake uh, victims. Uh, so good morning to everybody. But, um, uh, the staff had expressed some concerns uh, about uh, stormwater issues in, in the area, and we've been working really well with staff on resolving all of those. Um, and uh, I think that was the primary issue on the, the sort of response um, from our side. Uh, there were a, a couple of uh, minor technical issues um, in terms of um, all we're looking to do on this amendment is two very simple things. Um, we're looking to, you know, quote, reduce traffic, if you will. Um, we wanted to do live work units in this structure, and, and we found out that they're not marketable um, and uh, work with staff to resolve that. Um, so the location and how we move things uh, to past approvals that your uh, board has done uh, in other projects in Bethesda took a little time to respond to. Um, and, and I think that's that's really it, Matt. Okay. I don't know if I missed anything from your perspective. Commissioner Presley? Yes, I mean, it, so since you're changing the type 
of unit that you want to be building. I mean, typically that would have gone through the review the first time. So everything that was reviewed in terms of exactions and, and everything that goes with your project was based on your first submittal. That gives me a little bit of concern to simply extend it with the intent of having a total other, um, you know, form factor. Can staff address that for me, why that shouldn't be a concern for us? Sure. Um, and I just want to be clear that it's a it's a regulatory review period extension. Uh, this is not actually approving the change of use. And so the application that's before us that we'll bring to you in just a few months will actually address, <clears throat> pardon me, the change of use from the original approval. And uh, because of those changes and uh, what we need to do from an agency standpoint, we've been working with our uh, executive branch partners and, and looking to see that everything is complete and ready to bring to the board. That was not the case here with the current review period. And so we were just looking to extend it a few months. And so effectively, because of the statutory 65-day submittal requirement that's in the zoning code, um, <clears throat> this basically gives the applicant one more month to address those concerns, a 65-day um, occurring about a week, about a month from this week, actually in the beginning of March, would put us at a May uh, hearing, and we feel confident that. Um, but are you are you saying, excuse me, are you saying though that 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 their intended change of, of form factor has nothing to do with the uh, issues regarding stormwater management? That that's wholly separate. Uh, it's not separate. It is wrapped up with the application that's before us, and that'll be something that we are analyzing and we'll be able to present to you and make our findings when we bring it to you in just a few months. But I think you understand what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to be hard on the applicant. I just really want to understand we're doing the right thing. Um, if they were to have come forward when they did for initial approval to move forward on this and presented this other type, <clears throat> excuse me, a form factor, would there not have been different considerations as to you know the whole plan what's to be provided the amenities and so forth you know can you confidently say that this wouldn't change even if they change the you know what what's ultimately delivered uh, uh left is for the record uh to kind of address that in particular like with the storm drain analysis part of it the analysis with the um change in use essentially is part of like scoped in with the actual review, so we have to wait for uh, approval of from SHA, which is a joint a joint agency that's part of this SHA and DOT that has to weigh in on the storm drain analysis. So, mm -hmm. with that change in use, that is part of part of the element that is um, part of this extension request. Along with that, is a okay. joint application that needs to have consistency in regards of just getting the plans prepared so that we could bring that to the board with that confidence okay. of the storm drain analysis. And, and final final question on that is just you know, the, the public weighed in on the first round, and if the use changes, is there that same period for a public comment? Yes. It'll, it'll be a public okay. hearing when we get it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, with that, I'll entertain a, a motion. Mr. Chairman, I move that we approve the extension request for a preliminary plan, um, for excuse me, the flats at Knoll Station preliminary plan amendment number 12021003A. Do you want me to do? And, and site plan. And also, okay. And site plan amendment number 8201003A. And this is the second extension request. Okay. Do I hear a second? 
with Mr. the explanation. Chair, I second the motion, both for the uh, uh, preliminary plan amendment and the site plan amendment for 90 days. Any further discussion? Seeing none, uh, uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 I will vote aye. Mr. Chair, I'd just like to comment, notwithstanding my opening comment, I think there's adequate transparency that has been uh, provided here verbally. I'm glad the applicant was available online to resolve that. And I'll mm -hmm. just mention that as long as I'm sitting here, I will be holding other extension applications that same standard of, of identifying what the substance is that they're after. Mm -hmm. And we would expect no less. <laughs> and I, appreciate, I appreciate Commissioner Presley's concerns uh, about process here. and. And Commissioner Branson also had sharing that. And, and what was your vote? I voted aye. Oh, okay. And let the rep re reflect the comments after the approval of the extension. So we don't do that again. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to learn in this job. <laughs> All right. Now we have a roundtable discussion. Uh, uh, Director Stern is here for us. Yes, good morning. Tanya Stern, Acting Planning Director for the record. Um, I have a uh, couple of, we have a couple of presentations, if we can get those loaded. And also just wanted to note that I will be giving a very short uh, uh, couple of updates, but uh, the, the majority of this time is intended for our housing pl uh, planner, Lisa Gavoni, to share with the board, uh, the same presentation on the rental housing market in the county that she presented to the council's uh, planning, housing, and parks committee about a week or so ago at the at their uh, affordable housing roundtable. Next slide. Just very briefly, um, as the board is aware, uh, on Monday the uh, the county's uh, delegation. Um, for the state legislature uh, voted unfavorable on Bill 104-23. This was the uh, MNC PPC restructuring task force bill, and they did so because the planning department uh, voluntarily agreed to uh, jointly create a development review process uh, work group um, in coordination with the county executive and uh, the state delegation and their charge is to review the existing development review process and to identify ways to improve it um, in order to support economic development in the county. Um, and as part of that, to identify any potential uh, changes uh, for county and state legislation that the county council and the general assembly could potentially take up. The, um, the work group um, is asked or it's um, is, has been charged to do their work between May and October of this year with a report to be submitted on uh, October 15th. And um, as part of the work group, uh, the planning department will have representation. There will be uh, representatives from the agencies, particularly the executive branch agencies that are part of the development review committee that we uh, work with to review uh, development applications. Um, and there will be uh, representatives from uh, the General Assembly as well as members uh, from the public and the development community. And so uh, again, this is all you know, just uh, recently agreed to. Um, Chair Zients signed a letter of intent uh, with these details um, on our behalf, um, but just wanted to note that you know, we are fully committed to making sure that the uh, work group has a very productive uh, process so that we can turn in some good recommendations and um, just also wanted to mention 
then in preparation for their work, which uh, among their scope is to look at the development review processes of other jurisdictions. Uh, we have already uh, begun to reach out to our peer planning departments around the region to let them know about this effort and uh, to request their assistance in providing information about their processes. Uh, so we are, um, again, uh, further details uh, to come. Uh, I guess one other thing I wanted to mention is that the work group is charged with um, having um, at least three uh, public hearing sessions, not hearings as in a board public hearing, but listening sessions for the community to share their feedback on the, on the process. Um, and then they will have uh, working sessions that will be public as well. At least one of those uh, community meetings will be hosted by us. Um, so again, further details to be worked out, but I just wanted to make sure that you know everyone is aware about this effort that's coming up. Um, staff support for this is coming out of this agency or out of, uh, uh, you mentioned participation, mm -hmm. um, but is yeah, I presume there's a staff layer underneath this work group, and I'm wondering if that's from the council, from the county executive, from, from here? Well, for at least uh, for the planning department, yes, we will have representation on the work group, but we will have other staff that will be supporting these efforts. And my understanding is that uh, with the county agencies that will be on the work group, they will have their own you know, staffing resources and, and other representatives. So all of that's still to be worked out, but, but yes, it will be probably a larger team of folks working uh, behind the scenes um, supporting the agencies that are gonna be on the work group. So um, since you already have a uh, development review committee that works as a part of this process, uh, it sounds to me like this is basically an oversight an oversight action of that committee. You, you will essentially be doing oversight of how that committee functions. Well, just to clarify, so in terms of the development review process in the county, the planning department leads that. The development review committee is a part of that because they represent the agencies that uh, have their own specific requirements that they are looking for and need to make sure are in place as um, development projects are designed and go through the approvals process through up until the board's approval, um, and then subsequently when they have to go for building permits and sort of the other pieces that agencies do after they've gotten the approval of the development um, proposal, um, that all those pieces are in place. So this isn't so much, this is really a review of the entire development review process. It, the, the, the DRC is very much a part of it, but it's not just focused on the, the DRC in and of itself. So my next question is, thanks, that's, that's very helpful, because mm -hmm. when I read this, I was like, you know, when I read the newspaper, I was like, and how is this different than this? Um, so um, when you come up with the additional, you know, fill in the details of this outline of, you know, the process of moving forward, um, will this board uh, have an opportunity to review that? Is that part of the sort of deal that was struck? Keep pressing the wrong button. Um, uh, the intent was for the, for myself and the department to pick some, uh, at least six representatives, both from the building community and the general community. Oh, I'm sorry. Gee, uh, having a tough day today. Um, but no, it wasn't to come back to the board. 
uh, again, the work for the board will be if they come up with a recommendation or what the recommendation they come up with. Uh, and, and I certainly recognized my own tenure in this and relied a lot on the department to make the fundamental decisions here on, on how this board goes and what I ultimately signed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I also just wanted to note that uh, the planning department is a participant in this work group, but we are not the ones running the work group. Um, Delegate Lopez uh, from the county's delegation, she will be the chair of the work group. And again, this is intended to be a collaborative effort between um, our department, the county executives, um, uh, executive branch agencies, um, and um, the delegation. And um, I believe prior to uh, taking the final report to the, uh, the state legislature, we would like to come to the board sure. just to brief you all on what the recommendations are from the work group. Um, so there is that, that opportunity. Okay, yeah. I mean, because, you know, my concern is that um, um, every one of these undertakings has to involve uh, your, a basic outline of, you know, what are we gonna cover, what are we gonna look like, what is it gonna look like you know, how deep are we gonna go into each of these facets, you know? And, um, you know, I, <laughs> um, since this agency, uh, I don't wanna say is the target, but kinda is the target of this, uh, you know, I, I would hope that, um, um, that we have, that the agency has, has some substantial input on what you know, the parameters of this could be because this could go on for, you know, I mean, I, I know it's time limited, but, you know, there's always part two potential. And so that's, you know, that that's my concern. But if you, you all are gonna update when the recommendations are, are um, complete, I guess, or at least drafted, um, I, I think that would, would be helpful. I'm just thinking about time here, mm -hmm. uh, since we're yes. way over where we thought we might be, and maybe we would do the the uh, the uh, the update on the um, rental study some other time, if that's okay. I'm sorry to wait. Is that okay with the rest of the board members? We were going to hear uh, how how rents have increased over time and how they're doing relative to inflation in, in preparation for whatever the uh, county wants to do uh, in that area of possible uh, rent control or rent uh, stabilization. Uh, we're, we're a body that tries to provide the facts to that. And uh, uh, if we could, uh, delay this to some other time. Certainly, we can do that. If you don't mind, I just really qu quickly wanted to mention one other item. Sure. Um, because this is something that we just completed yesterday. Uh, we worked with the um, Urban Land Institute Washington, uh, which is the Urban Land Institute. I've mentioned this to the board before. It's a professional membership organization that focuses on real estate and land use issues. Um, I'm a member um, along with uh, with other, other colleagues. Uh, they offer this uh, program as a technical assistance panel 
which is a uh, day and a half uh, effort by um, experts from this region who are ULI members who, who volunteer their time to look at a particular uh, issue project um, in a sponsored jurisdiction. And so we uh, developed a, um, uh, an effort to have a TAP look at uh, the University Boulevard corridor area for which we're currently doing a master plan. And uh, they completed their work yesterday and did a, we had a, a presentation here that they made. Uh, we have members of, from the community here as well. Uh, it was recorded, so you can watch it if you missed it. And um, there are some f uh, photos from, from the tours that they took. And again, they basically, this is sort of what I call free consulting work uh, in, a, in about a day and a half. Um, but it's really great because you get um, sort of objective expertise in looking at particular issues. We give them a set of questions, and we kind of leave it up to them to come up with their recommendations. And so they presented their recommendations yesterday, had a very robust uh, conversation with community members, and um, at the end, ULI Washington will produce a report um, that will be publicly available as well. So just wanted to thank uh, the uh, Mid County staff uh, who worked on uh, pulling us together and supporting the TAP effort, and, and also to thank ULI Washington for their assistance. Very good. We always like free labor. <laughs> it's okay. The Parks Department uses child labor, it seems, for their volunteers. So. Well, never, I'm, never mind. I didn't I'm not going to get into that. But I, I, just just to get back to the TAP for a second, uh, I also have served on two TAPs myself um, in D.C. and in uh, Northern Virginia. So I've been both a sponsor and a participant and, you know, definitely appreciate the value of having, you know, this type of resource to support our work. And that concludes thank my you. presentation. Thank you. And Ms. Gavoni, thank you for your forbearance. But uh, I, I think it, it would be better served at another time. Thank you.
Greetings. It's uh, still February 9th, uh, 2023. We're on item five at the planning board session. Uh, this is the pedestrian master, uh, master plan uh, working draft acceptance. Uh, uh, should the board approve this, uh, it will go to public hearing, but we'll get an explanation of exactly what it is from staff. Uh, which staff? Jason or? Um, I can go. Uh, okay. My name is Eli Glazier, for the record, uh, project manager for the pedestrian master plan. Uh, today, I think we have uh, some brief remarks and slides, and then we'll really just open up the floor to any questions or comments that you all had about um, if you've uh, cogitated about what we talked about last week, or you have, you've read the working draft and you have some questions about that as well. So, uh, can I the just jump in just really sure. quickly? Again, Tanya Stern, Acting Planning Director, just wanted to remind the board that this is really the first initial conversation about the, the draft pedestrian master plan and that we will be holding a series of work sessions after the public hearing. Thank you. Um, the roadmap for today's uh, presentation, uh, brief overview of the vision and goals, again, plan outline. Uh, we can discuss the comments that we've received from planning board commissioners to date, um, a proposed plan timeline moving forward, and then the requested planning board action that we'd like to come at the end of this uh, item. Uh, vision and goals. Uh, we, we want the plan, uh, the plan envisions a community where walking and rolling using a mobility device uh, is safe, comfortable, convenient, and accessible for pedestrians of all ages and abilities across the county. Uh, the goals that support that vision, as we said last time, increasing walking rates and pedestrian satisfaction, creating this comfortable, connected network, improving pedestrian safety, and then doing all of those things in a way that's equitable and just. Uh, the plan outline, uh, I think executive summary, introduction, racial equity and social justice statement, uh, the vision and goals, how the existing conditions um, essentially the baseline conditions for how we're achieving those vision and goals today, recommendations to help us achieve those, the vision and goals, um, some ideas about implementation, continued monitoring of how we're implementing the plan, um, a glossary of terms, and then appendices that have more of the technical information about the prioritization and things like that. Um, so that's, uh, I think, the bulk of the presentation, uh, other than uh, now I'm just going to get into some of the comments we've received so far. Um, the first comment is just to add a plan abstract that explains which master plans this plan supersedes. Um, so we are prepared sort of after the t cover page of the plan to have an abstract that explains that this um, amends essentially all past functional plans, area master plans, and sector plans, um, just to be broad and expansive. Yeah, uh, I think our intent is uh, when, ultimately when the plan is approved and adopted, the resolution will actually detail every single plan, right. but this is sort okay. of the statement about what happens. Um, another comment was uh, in the existing conditions section of the working draft, the headers, which are organized around the goals of the plan, um, included uh, verbs that uh, were, I guess, a little bit incongruous with the existing condition. So uh, the suggestion here was to remove those verbs. So an example of that, uh, goal one, that section talks about essentially walking mode share and satisfaction. Rather than saying increase walking rates and satisfaction, it's just about walking rates and satisfaction. So just more of a statement rather than an action. 
Um, the next one uh, was a, a comment about uh, the bicycle pedestrian priority area tables. Um, and I think the concern that was expressed was that uh, maybe each of the BIPAs should have a unique identifier um, that uh, we could have different maps to show for different policy areas what the BIP, where the BIPAs were. Um, I think uh, what staff would like to do is maintain the current approach uh, to essentially using the ID field in the tables really as an identifier to connect to the associated map, just so you know. Uh, in this table, for instance, Bowie Mill Road between Cashel and Olney Laytonsville, where that is on the map that's adjacent to it. I think we had concerns that labeling all of the BIPAs for the whole county uh, would really create a lot of clutter on the map. It would be really visually difficult to sort of differentiate. Um, and then I think to provide more uh, clarity about the intent and the purpose of that ID column. Uh, you can we we've replaced uh, the ID number column header with map reference number to make it clear that it's really associated with the map and this is not a statement of BIPA priority. That just because one is rated number one, it's not a priority. And to sort of further emphasize that, um, the caption of each table highlights that they're listed alphabetically, not in terms of priority. Um, there was an additional comment to add references to Thrive 2050, the general plan of the county. Uh, currently, Thrive 2050 is mentioned in two recommendations. So B4, which is about uh, creating and encouraging land use that's conducive to walking. Uh, and then B10, which is about state highways. Um, we have, um, I think, already recommended adding text to the abstract, which was described on the prior slide, and then uh, some additional references to Thrive 2050, including in the executive summary, to modify the first paragraph as follows, um, to essentially say that the plan supports the Thrive Montgomery 2050 policy to develop a safe and appealing network for walking, biking, and rolling. Um, and then also, uh, in the introduction, to say that the recommendations in this plan support the larger goals of Thrive, and uh, you can sort of read on as well. So um, I think two higher level statements early on, and then I think uh, we, I think there's, there are probably many other opportunities to reference Thrive throughout the document. Um, so um, we're definitely amenable and willing to add additional references during the work sessions as each section of the plan is reviewed. Um, another comment, more of a um, aesthetic legibility comment, uh, change figure three, the colors and symbols of this map, uh, which essentially shows the Title I focus in high farms rate schools in Montgomery County. So to in improve the legibility of this, so uh, what staff's done is a couple things. One, um, improve the contrast between the other schools and the Title I focus in farm schools. And then also, I think, an important change is uh, change the symbology so it's not the same symbol but one symbol. Uh, the Title I focus in farm schools is a triangle and the other schools are a circle just so if if you were um, did have a form of color blindness or something like that it would still be easy to differentiate. Um, another comment, this can be quick, uh, there's a typo on the slide uh, about the Complete Streets Design Guide. Uh, in the prior session uh, to say it said county as a land use context. Um, the entire 
County has a county land use context. Uh, the appropriate order was country. Uh, so we, we, that term does not appear in the plan itself. It was just on the slide. Um, additional comment, um, rolling as a term of art, essentially this idea that um, when we talk about being a pedestrian, we say pedestrians are walking, pedestrians are rolling. Um, so uh, that is a term that I think can lend itself to sort of vagaries and like, well, so many different things are wheeled or do roll, um, but it's a term that has really taken hold in the field over the past several years. Um, Thrive 2050 uses it, the pedestrian plans used it for several years, um, and then the CDC, the US DOT, Maryland DOT, and then I think a review of Vision Zero websites across the country. It's a fairly common term to just try and be more universal in our explanation of what a pedestrian is. Um, I think when we make specific reference to uh, people with accessibility challenges or disability, we, we do make those references in the text. We don't sort of bundle it all into this idea of rolling. Um, but if there are specific pieces or we're talking about motorized wheelchairs specifically or uh, power scooters or something like that, that gets mentioned. It's just in thinking about the term pedestrian, we want to be as inclusive as possible. Um, Can I just comment on that? Which sure. I, my concern there was just when I picked this up, it was actually something you provided last week. It wasn't the whole plan, and I recognize the plan is a good bit more specific about that. But I just I picked it up, and I intuitively didn't get the right context of what rolling was meant in the particular page. And I just figured I was a you know a figurehead for the general public, and I'm worried about the general public following that. Um, so I will. I will bow to if this is a term of art that is becoming common in the planning industry, but we just need to watch out for jargon. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there are also opportunities in the plan um, as we move forward and lay it out in more formal, in a more formal way to provide, we have a glossary already, but to provide more inline definitions. I'm a fan of sort of the Edward Tufty like sidebar. So not an end note, not a footnote, but like just really in line so you can understand immediately like what the definition is. So I think there's some opportunities to improve legibility in that I think, way. I think the critical distinction there has to do with, with handy people that are mobility challenged, right, as a, as a handy able person, right? Um, if I can also just mention, uh, we have been using the walking and rolling as uh, part of the focus for this plan since the very beginning of this plan when we launched it back in 2019 and did initial community engagement at that time. Um, and so I definitely appreciate you know, your feedback and so we can definitely make sure that that's clear, but just wanted to say we've actually been using this as part of our definition of pedestrians um, throughout the project. And also, um, I'm sure Eli is probably gonna mention this at some point, but as part of our uh, community engagement, you met with the Commission on uh, Disabilities um, as well um, to get to make sure that we got that feedback early on because um, that is part of what we're looking at it's not just for people who can get about on two legs um, but make sure that everybody who's who is a pedestrian more broadly speaking is is fully represented in this plan thank you oh uh, Commissioner Commissioner Panera has a, a comment yeah I Yes, thank you, Mr. Chair. I, I had this question before, and I'm still, you know, a little bit confused when we talk about biking and rolling, because I know we have a biking 
also uh, plan, uh, which is separate from the pedestrian. And I'm thinking, why, I'm just, why is it that we are combining it here? When we talk about pedestrian, it's, it's very different than biking because biking requires, um, you know, setting up bike lanes. It requires, and, and, and even, well, rolling, I can understand when we're talking about, you know, people with disabilities, uh, wheelchairs or motorized, um, but, but biking to me is, it's, it is really a separate, because uh, first of all, you don't want biking and pedestrians to be together. No, I mean, we don't want, we, we don't allow bikes to, to use, uh, let's say, um, sidewalks or, I mean, they do require specific, uh, um, you know, requirements that um, create more of a conflict, let's say, with, with the use of the automobiles. Uh, if, you, if you're going to create a bike lane, it it's, it's a separate issue. So can you, again, clarify to me what is the, let's say the 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 point where the bike and the pedestrians um, coincide in this plan yeah uh, so I think I just just to reiterate uh, rolling as a term in the plan is not it's not meant to be inclusive of bicycling I think you you correctly stated that there is a separate bicycle master plan and the needs uh, responsibilities and infrastructure required for biking are often different than for walking. Uh, rolling in this plan is mostly about uh, mobility devices for people who um, are not able to walk. Um, so things like wheelchairs, motorized scooters, and other similar mobility mm -hmm. devices, um, which is not immediately inclusive of sort of pedal bicycles and things like that. I, um, guess, I guess slow rolling would be a bad way to express that. Um, it, it would be because there actually is a subculture of bicycling that's called slow rolling. Uh, oh, so, yeah, I think there's, I'm it's another, a, these terms of art and like I'm colloquialisms, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to find a lane for the appropriate terminology. No pun intended on the lane. So, um, uh, but I do have a, a, I guess, sort of a separate question kind of related and I guess my concern when we're talking about these mobility issues are for people who um, you know just may have um, physical issues that cause them to move slower you know I mean is there you know I mean like you know like yeah Hopefully, in 20 years, I'll be walking slow. I'll still be walking, <laughs> but I'll be walking real slow. So, um, um, so you know, that is, you know, that is a part of that inclusive thing, I think, you know, um, that elderly people and, you know, small children. I mean, it's a, you know, women who are expecting. There's a whole lot of folk who can be walking slow out here. Um, so, so I'm just wondering whether that, uh, that kind of notion is included here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think we feel that, uh, walking and rolling really encompasses that, but I think we have made specific recommendations in the plan that get at the exact issue that you're talking about that I think most specifically, um, often it can be difficult for people who are walking slower 
to cross an intersection in the amount of time. So there's a recommendation to plan in specific locations in the county where there may be um, a larger propensity of older people or people with disabilities or school children to look at the signal timing so there's more time for people to cross. So that's exactly right. That's something that we've thought about. Uh, just a couple more, and then I think uh, if the chair wants to open the floor to other comments that people have. Um, uh, just a question about additional emphasis on sort of uh, the pedestrian mode as a last mile mode. Um, I think this is an important topic, um, and uh, we are 100% on board with identifying additional locations throughout the plan that we can emphasize this uh, throughout the work sessions. Um, I think uh, I've said at a lot of meetings that everyone is a pedestrian at some point during their day. And when we look at the performance measures that we've developed for this, um, some of those measures include public transportation mode share with the understanding that to get to that bus stop, to get to that metro station or vice versa, you're walking at least some port portion of that trip. So if we can increase walk transit mode share, it's a proxy for increasing walking, things like that. So yes, we're definitely on board with this. Um, and then uh, the last comment that we received beforehand is essentially how amenable is the State Highway Administration to granting the county more control of the roadways. And I think uh, it's important to start with the intent of this recommendation first and the conversation here. Um, the idea is that we really want uh, to have an open public conversation about the advantages and disadvantages of different approaches to taking control of state highways, whether that's uh, formal ownership or just maintenance or think like what what achieves our goals and what our goals are are to um, achieve the vision of Thrive 2050, our bus rapid transit plan, and Vision Zero. And um, I think the challenge we face is that. Um, all of these three things, so Thrive 2050 is a land use transportation piece, bus rapid transit is a transportation piece, and then Vision Zero, what we've seen is that um, a vastly disproportionate number of our severe injuries and fatalities are happening on these state roads. Um, we see there's sort of a tension between what we want to accomplish through these plans and the ability um, institutionally of um, this state agency to be able to, to do that to the extent that we think we need to to achieve these planned goals. So that's really the need, and that's sparked the, that's sparked the recommendation, which hopefully leads to future conversations and progress on achieving that goal. Um, there was a question also about, has this been done before? Um, and I think there are many examples. Uh, sorry. Um, there are several examples across the county, but um, I think most notably, uh, Flower Avenue in Tacoma Park was returned to the city of Tacoma Park as from a state a state road sometime in the 2000s? In 2010. In 2010. So um, this is something that can happen. There is a precedent for it. I think the large question is more about um, when you transfer ownership or control, there are questions about maintenance funding and things like that. So that formula need, there are serious implications obviously to ongoing operations both at the state level and at the county level uh, in that transaction. So that's really what the recommendation is about, trying to figure out, um, trying to mediate those issues and come to some agreement that would allow something like this to move forward.
think I can advance the slides. Do you have any? So we're having some issue with the PowerPoint here, but Eli, you can read off my slide. That's okay. <laughs> uh, we're not going to be able to advance this slide, though. We're not going to be able to advance this slide. Okay. Um, but I think that addresses all of the comments that we've heard. Yeah, um, I, I can. Yeah. So the next um, is the next slide is uh, something that uh, we talked about last time as well. It's just the timeline moving forward. Um, we in the staff report we've requested a public hearing uh, for March 23rd. Um, the planning board work sessions would begin April 13th. After that, um, we would anticipate that the planning board would transmit the planning board draft to council in June. There'd be public hearings for the county council. Uh, in fall, uh, the t and &E committee work sessions would begin in fall of this year, and then county council would adopt the pedestrian plan uh, in winter of 2023. Um, so that's the timeline. Um, the ask uh, uh, as part of this plan. Sorry. Uh, we're good. Great. Magic. Uh, okay. Well, now I can't. Um, so I guess our immediate next step here, uh, assuming uh, you accept the working draft as the public hearing draft and set the public hearing date, is to really um, use pursue all avenues to encouraging more people to testify at this public hearing. So uh, in addition to all of the applicable noticing requirements, which include uh, mailings to the municipalities, mailings to homeowners associations, community associations, newspaper noticing, et cetera. Um, we have uh, a substantial e-letter list, a, news, a newsletter list that we've developed over the course of the plan, uh, for the pedestrian plan that we intend to rely heavily on to get people who have already expressed interest in pedestrian issues to, to share their perspectives about the plan. Uh, we intend, we also had a community advisory group as part of this plan, so we intend to uh, essentially personally reach out to each of those group people and the groups that they represent to ensure that uh, those communities have the opportunity and are encouraged to testify. Uh, we've also hosted several, a number of meetings across the county where we didn't host the meeting. We sort of parachuted in to other people's meetings and talked about the pedestrian plan. So um, I intend to sort of follow up with those people and let them know that this plan is in the public hearing phase and encourage them to share that with their networks so they can testify as well. Uh, we also intend to lean a little bit on our, our county council colleagues and the regional service center uh, directors to spread the word through their e-letters and social media. Uh, we've already had discussions with uh, park staff so we can do planning and parks social uh, related um, engagement about um, the encouraging testimony. And then um, this plan, I think, has been very successful over the years at getting sort of earned media, getting write-ups in the newspaper or on radio, and uh, we have begun pitching to media outlets about the public hearing, that something, that there's a public hearing coming and this plan has reached this important milestone, and I anticipate we will get uh, some earned media sort of uh, TV coverage, newspaper coverage, radio coverage about this as well. And then we also are planning on attending upcoming events leading up to the public hearing date, including uh, Councilmember Fanny Gonzalez is having an, a Wheaton Infrastructure Town Hall 
on uh, February 22nd, um, where, uh, among other things that will be discussed, are sort of pedestrian issues in Wheaton, which is a logical pivot to encouraging people who are interested to testify. So um, I, uh, I think that's sort of what we have here. If we find that um, registration for testimony is, sort of, is somehow lacking, I think there are some additional strategies we can employ uh, to get more public engagement or more participation in the public hearing. But I think that's something that we can keep the board updated with sort of as, as we progress closer to the public hearing date. Um, and then I don't know if I can change the screen. But let there, me just I, add sorry, go for it. Because I, I don't really know the answer to this at all. Um, does the council or the executive have some kind of working group? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, does the council or the executive have some kind of working group that focuses on Vision Zero? Yes. Uh, so the council, the executive has a Vision Zero coordinator named Wade Holland. And in addition to the work that he does on a daily basis, he convenes um, a quarterly working group of people who lead Vision Zero at different county agencies, including um, I am the current representative for the planning department in that group. Um, the Department of Transportation, uh, the Police Department, the Department of General Services, all of sort of the different agencies because of the interdisciplinary nature of Vision Zero have representatives there. Um, and that group essentially gets, provides updates about different things related to Vision Zero and then uh, tracks progress on implementing the Vision Zero Action Plan that, uh, that Mr. Holland also administers. Um, so. Uh, we can just keep track of how that plan is being implemented. So I, I, I asked the question because while everything you just said is implied in this encouraged public hearing testimony, it doesn't specifically say that you're going to work with the Vision Zero group. And, and it might be good to, you know, just say that on here. Okay. Thank you. If I can also just jump in, um, I have been in some meetings that I've attended with other agencies, I've or even in community meetings, have mentioned a pedestrian master plan, and I also participate in an interagency directors meeting. There's one coming up, I think, in the next couple of weeks or so, and have mentioned that we are working on this project, and can mention this again to say we have a public hearing coming up. You know, you all have new e newsletters that you all send out. Can you please help to promote this as well? So we definitely have some other avenues um, to use. And, and if I could also add, uh, for the record, Jason Sartori, Chief of Countywide Planning and Policy. I want to, you know, kind of in, in a way commend Mr. Glazier as well as our communication staff because we've been working on this plan for three and a half years and there's been an extensive amount of outreach and engagement, everything from surveys to, uh, you know, working with MCPS to get information on how students travel to and from school. Uh, and and working with DOT, working with Mr. Holland uh, in the county's Vision Zero office. And so with all of that, I think as we go forward, uh, we're going to reach out to all of them again and say, let them know that this is going. If they have newsletters, if they have an opportunity to help us advertise this, uh, we're going we're gonna to hope, hope that they can participate in that as well. Because uh, it's been really great to work with them all throughout the past three and a half years. Okay. Uh, uh, Commissioner Pinero. Yes. Uh, hi. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, you know, I've been hearing about uh, this public engagement, and I think it's fantastic. This uh, all this testimony and and Vision Zero, how you need to coordinate with Vision Zero. 
What, what concerns me is I don't know how much we can do about um, pedestrian safety or, you know, whether this is something that can be regulated or planned that much. I think uh, a lot of it is persuading people. It's also a lot of uh, carrot and stick, like rewards and punishment. I mean, I, the way I see it, it's, it's an educational process. Because as I come down Georgia Avenue to get to my house, there are so many people jaywalking. And then you kind of, you know, you, you, you think about, okay, what can be done so that people can stop? Or is it that the crossroads are too far for people to cross, you know, in different intersections? Maybe we should be measuring that. Maybe we should be thinking about pedestrian bridges. It, it, it's just... Um, human nature, you know, if people have to walk a long way to get to where they're going, they're going to jaywalk. And then what, what kind of, you know, fines or punishment or whatever, so that there's no more, you know, people dying from, from cars, well, you know, to what extent this is going to be like an educational, uh, there's an educational objective to, to reduce jaywalking? That's if, my question. If I may, number one, our ask here is to put something out uh, as a for a public hearing draft for a master plan that was requested by the county council. So we are doing what we were asked. And embedded in this plan is a ton of uh, recommendations for education among a lot of other recommendations. So it's, we're not implementing it today. We're not answering all the questions today. We're, we're being asked to put it out for public hearing. <clears throat> uh, is that sufficient for you, Commissioner Panera? Yeah, that's, that's, yes, it is. I'm just, you know, I haven't heard much about uh, kind of the, the carrot and stick issue and the, to what extent, you know, th there needs to be education coming from from yeah. above, you know, uh, yeah. I, I noted at least three points of uh, recommendations for education with, with, within the plan already, and I'm sure we'll get more testimony and more discussion on that uh, uh, when we get to the public hearing and in our own deliberations. And as we proceed okay, through... Okay, thank you, Mr. Chair. Just quickly, as we proceed through the work sessions, that will be the opportunity, Commissioner Pinero, to look at the recommendations that are already in the working draft plan to specifically address uh, the issues that you just raised. Okay, thank you. The other, dis Commissioner Hill. Yeah, just to piggyback for a moment on what Commissioner Pinero said, I think one of the critical things going forward is engaging children and particularly getting them to walk to school again. And a large part of that, I think, has to do with it's not perceived to be safe by parents, so they don't let their kids do that. And addressing that, I think, is a big thing. So if we can recapture the habit of people as young people be to become lifetime walkers, that's, I think, the tipping point that I would expect out there. And one other comment here is, um, having gotten the whole plan and really looked at it now, I really like the goals and objectives section. And there are a lot of numbers in there, and looking at my crystal ball, I'm gonna guess in the short term, we're not gonna come very close to the numbers because we have a difficulty of changing the auto environment, and there's gonna be, that's gonna be hard to do at first. But I think the excellent part of those numbers is, I think in the long term, we get there better if we put the number there and make that our goal. And that's exactly what the goal section is about. So I think that's a really excellent part here. And 
I, you know, let's put it out in the public and see what they have to say about the numbers and the goals if they go to that level of detail. Um, right. But yeah, that's. Uh, you, you can't know what you're doing if you don't have a goal. That's right, and uh, and I think you did a very good job, uh, not only saying what the goal was, but putting a, a metric on it. Uh, if there is no other comments, I'd just like to say this is one fantastic plan, and I, and I would call it uh, bodacious in its scope, as I have in staff meetings. Uh, it, it's rare that we see a plan that has, number one, this depth of detail on the what's actually going on in the real, real world, uh, and cut in all sorts of different ways. There's a school cut, there, there's a, a, a physical attribute cut to it. Uh, it it's remarkable in, in what it has. It's also remarkable in its scope for looking for financial support for this in the future. There had to be, I don't know, three or four recommendations that deal with funding for either CIP, operating, uh, equipment, uh, painting, uh, uh, all sorts of uh, things in this. It also has that educational component that, <laughs> that came up before. Uh, it is an incredible plan, and you deserve uh, great praise for bringing this together. Uh, I know what it is to look through data because the nature of data is that it's always dirty, and you have to clean it to make it make it make sense, and I think you've done a great job. I think in the future, you know, when we get to work sessions, there'll be a lot of people that talk to uh, what the right priorities should be. There, there is, is a school, whole school uh, idea here, and, you know, we pay uh, something like 40 million bucks in schools for buses right now, and you've uh, uh, pointed out a whole number of schools that have 1% walking, um, you know, uh, I think you might get some push on prioritizing that school walking because the school walking will also make uh, an area for recreational walking more pleasant as well. And although you don't emphasize it, your, 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 um, your survey said that 80% of the people walk for recreation, even though they walk every day for other purposes. But, but walking was, uh, recreation was one of those prime purposes. And if you can do it casually, when you get used to it, getting your kid to school, it'll work. But you'll get a lot of that comment on prioritization. So we'll have to work that out. Uh, uh, I've said more than I generally say, so I'll be quiet. Um, uh, I'll look forward to a motion to approve this as a planning board draft. Uh, oh. as, as the public hearing draft. Oh, public hearing draft. We'll get to the planning board draft. I would also, I would also <laughs> ask uh, if I am, I am just too old. Uh, okay. You know, 20 years ago, we changed the terminologies, and I still haven't recovered. I guess, uh, I, I guess formally, I would, we would ask that you approve the master plan working draft um, as amended today by staff um, as the public hearing draft, and then set the public hearing date for Thursday, March 23rd, 2023 at 6 We set the public hearing date today? Yeah. We do. Okay. Do, 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 do we need okay. two separate motions for these things? Or I don't. I don't. Okay. All right. Okay, Mr. Chairman, I... Sorry. Thought I had it pressed. Today is mic day. 
Uh, Mr. Chairman, I move that we approve the pedestrian master plan working draft as a public hearing draft as amended today in our discussions. Second. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Tremendous achievement. Next motion. Mr. Chairman, I move that we set the pedestrian master plan public hearing date for Thursday, March 23rd at 6 p.m. Second, Mr. Chairman. All right. We have a second. All those in favor say aye. 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 The ayes have it, unanimous. Great work. Thank you. Go and continue. I do like these six o'clock meetings, I think, for an evening meeting. I think that works better for everybody. But um, okay, are we, do we have to pause again? Yes, we do.
Good morning. It's February 9th, 2023. The, uh, we are on item seven of the planning board agenda. This is the Silver Spring downtown and adjacent communities uh, design excellence. Um, it's a staff recommendation to approve the design guidelines and the design advisory panel rules of procedure. Uh, the the uh, board has uh, gone through this a little bit before. Uh, the uh, the staff is, is coming back with how the uh, document has changed from those amendments. Uh, who would like to take this? Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair and Commissioners, for the record, Atara Margulies, Down County Planning. Um, so yes, uh, we were here two weeks ago when we presented the design guidelines, and now uh, we, um, were we received public comment last time. We discussed a whole bunch of revisions. So those revisions were incorporated into the document, which was posted as part of the agenda for the board's review. Uh, in addition, last time we discussed the design advisory panel. We approved the design advisory panel members, but there was some discussion about the rules of procedure. Uh, we revised those as well, and those were also posted um, to the, uh, the agenda for the board's review. So today we are here to request approval of both of those items. Um, we have received in the last few days uh, a few comments, additional comments on the design guidelines, so um, we're prepared to go through those for the board, unless you have any uh, comments before uh, we start. You're, you're talking about uh, Ms. Stacy Silver's correspondence. Did we get there's been, on that? There's been, in the packet, I believe there's comments from four different parties. If you would, I think the board would like you to go through your response okay. to that. Sure. So um, I'll just, this is the one of the first comments I want to just uh, touch on is actually there was a comment um, in the communication from Ms. Silber about a sentence about surface parking in the adjacent communities. And actually, that was an error by staff. We were supposed to delete that. We talked about that last time, our error that when we went to do the revisions, uh, we missed that. So we will delete that. We don't have any further comments because we still think we should delete the sentence. Um, just, so, just so I understand, it's the specificity of surface parking that we're talking uh, about. The language on. in the guideline says that the guidelines sort of permit surface parking in the adjacent communities, but the guidelines don't permit or forbid anything. So we had said last time we would just strike that sentence. And um, my apologies that we missed that in our review, but we will obviously pick that up. If you're going time. to Ms. Abrams' uh, recommendations or no? You, no, we're just removing right. that sentence, yeah, which she, is what we discussed last time. Yes. Right. So she there'll had, be no comment about surface parking in the adjacent okay. communities whatsoever. Um, so it's just governed by the zoning, whatever the zoning is for those parcels, whether or not it's allowed. So the next, oh, yes. I was just going to ask you, uh, I, I was reading Ms. Silver's comments as well uh, the other day, and we will come back to the rest of those comments during this presentation. Yes, I'm going to go through them right now. Okay, um, perfect. Just that Thank one you. was our error that it even appeared again, so I wanted to dispense <laughs> with that first. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Sure. So the next um, comment that uh, is raised in that communication is about design guidelines flexibility. We also talked about this last time, and we actually added language. We added um, the words uh, to this. There was a line in page five in the guidelines about how sites are evaluated. And now in the revised version, it says that all sites will be evaluated based on surrounding context, site conditions, and site constraints, which is what we discussed last time. And that way, it uh, sort of allows a lot of flexibility because site constraints can be defined in many ways. Um, the comment that was proposed by Ms. Silber has sort of a more specific description of 
site constraints and ways around it, and we think the language that we discussed last time is more flexible, it allows for more creativity, and it still covers all different kinds of site constraints uh, situations. So we're comfortable still I, that the language we have addresses the issue. I, I would agree with that you've put in enough flexibility to, to uh, overcome the concerns that were expressed. I, I think your, your language is fine. Does anybody else have any? Everybody's okay with that. Thank you. So the next comment is about um, also something we discussed last time. So last time we reviewed how um, staff was in agreement that we should clarify that the street sections in the sector plan uh, generally take precedence over the section diagrams and the design guidelines. We included the word generally because we need to allow flexibility for unforeseen future circumstances. And I'll give an example. So, of course, the sector plan and the design guidelines are like a 20-year-ish document. So, for example, in the sector plan, there are sections, options, different options of the way bus rapid transit could be uh, incorporated into a street section for Georgia Avenue and Colesville. Of course, we're not implementing that. MCDOT, if they decide to, would implement that. And we don't know how it will be implemented. They're also studying how to do that in greater detail. So it is possible that in the future, a section from the sector plan, because of implemented conditions in the field, might not be able to be built exactly according to dimensions. And that's when we would need the guidelines and sort of the range of dimensions provided and the bullet points to fill in. Um, so and that's really the, the one example we were thinking of, because we know that there, for example, the bus rapid transit condition, there's many ways to implement it. The final section of the street could look many ways. And so we wanted to add a word that just allows for some wiggle room if necessary, but the intent is that the street sections in the sector plan um, do, do take precedence. Uh, I sort of understand it, but I also understand the priority of council adopted documents versus our own guidelines. Uh, so I certainly understood uh, striking the word generally. Uh, I if did you, too. If you wanted to add something that said, uh, unless intervening events made following the guidelines impossible, something like that. But I think that's better than the generally <laughs> statement because it kind of looks like we're overriding what the council adopted. I hear that. I mean, I think, like you said, there is already an inherent overriding of the sector plan of anything because it's a council document and the guidelines come second. And if there was a condition that could not be met from the sector plan in terms of street sections, um, it seems like it would automatically go to the guidelines. And if that if the board feels that is sort of understood, then I think we're okay taking out the word generally. Just taking out the word yeah. generally. Uh, I agree. Commissioner Presley agrees. Any other comments? Yeah, I, I also, sorry to do this, but I want to go back to the flexibility language. Um, <clears throat> just because I know, I mean, we're trying to streamline the, uh, the process for development, et cetera. And these folks need some certainty. And I, I was in agreement with the comments uh, provided by Ms. Silver and her associate. Um, that it's understood that the sites uh, with these unique constraints conditions may not be able to achieve prescriptive methods and metrics. I think that that sentence is, is important because you don't want people coming in not knowing where they're going to stand. It's it's difficult enough already to kind of judge and um, and prepare for what exactions you might need and and do the costing out and everything. I think anytime we can provide more certainty, it is better. 
So I don't know how the other, I, I know how the chair feels, so I don't know how the other fellow commissioners feel, but I am in agreement with the changes proposed by Ms. Silver and her associate in terms of the guidelines. I mean, the flexibility aspect. So if, if I can interject, Elsa Heisler McCoy, Chief Down County Planning, I think, I guess I would suggest that the proposed language uh, does not provide certainty. I think it would suggest a lower standard, a lower design standard for certain uh, sites. I think the council in approving the overlay zone uh, requires the maximum design excellence points. Uh, and I think that the, you know, as we spoke last time, I think if you're on a more, con every site is constrained. If you're on a more constrained site or less constrained site, that doesn't mean the design should be any less excellent. There shouldn't be eight design excellence points because you have a smaller site. There should be 10. It should be the quality of the design. And I, I think what we're concerned about uh, is that during the development review process, this change would weaken the DAP's hand, it would weaken staff's hand to get the best design possible. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the planning board is going to, so the DAP is only gonna make a recommendation, just as the staff makes a recommendation. Uh, if there's a particular project that the applicant feels that you know they're not able to, that you know the recommendation of the DAP and the staff is unreasonable, the planning board will be in a position to allow those points. So I, I, I think I would reiterate, and, yeah, Elsa, I'm not suggesting that um, points be allowed to be reduced. I just think that there needs to be the um, the planning for alternatives. Someone can provide an additional if they're if they're unable to meet one constraint that was suggested. They might be able to provide something that we can't foresee right now, but we might consider it to be a better point towards design. Yeah. And if, if this language that Ms. Sober proposed isn't enough, then I suggest we try to revise it in a way that makes that clear. The points will still be achieved, but we have to allow for an interpretation that is acceptable by the DAP, right? That, that might not be uh, prescribed initially. If I may, Atara Margulies. So actually, if we read the entire paragraph where this <laughs> sentence is, it, I think it gets at those points. So if we look at section 1.2.2 on page five, um, it, it mm -hmm. starts off by saying, the planning board may approve alternative design approaches that better meet the intent of the design guidelines for both buildings and open spaces. This review flexibility will allow room for truly exceptional and unexpected creative solutions to improve the downtown. Certain guidelines provide a range of recommended metrics to appropriately meet the intent. These ranges are not rigid requirements, but instead provide predictability for applicants as to what will be expected during development review mm -hmm. and provide staff and the planning board with a framework to guide the process. Design proposals will be evaluated during the development review process based on the surrounding context, site conditions, site constraints, and how the project meets the sector plan goals and design guidelines intent. So I think that whole it sentence gets at the exact what we've just been discussing, that these are guidelines, so they provide some predictability, but we also recognize that there will be many unpredictable things that come, and rather than provide a list of alternatives, which will certainly, like as you said, Commissioner Presley, not capture all the things that will come up, rather, we would rather say, this is the baseline that we're looking for, but if you have other, there are issues that preclude you from providing that on the site, come forward with a creative solution, and we would love to see it. So I think... Um, and that's that's the that's what we're trying to say here, um, and we're trying to say it sort of plainly and uh, and with you know with a degree of flexibility without 
adding too many caveats that right. in you know inadvertently make it less flexible. Well, the one word that troubles me is that better meet the design guidelines. It, it couldn't it be alternatively meet, or or you know, creatively meet in a different manner because better almost implies that you have to do this and more. Um, so, I, I'm just in terms of that language, looking for more flexibility without without um, degrading what it is that you're after. No, I mean, if I can just say this, I think, and this is just, um, yeah, um, I think the term better meat is really sort of colloquialism. You know, I don't mm. think better adds more to meat in this way. You could say best meat. You could get rid of the better or the best and just say meat. I mean, I, I think it's really sort of a stylistic uh, flourish um, that I agree in this instance could lead people to think something that they don't need to think um, because yep. you you, you got to meet the guidelines period right you, you got to right. come up with those points so you know I, I understand your focus but I think um, I, I hear better meet as a colloquialism as stylistic and, and not as having a greater definitive authority. Anybody else? Commissioner Panero, you had your hand up before. Yeah, well, I, I kind of listened to uh, what uh, Commissioner Presley was saying, and I kind of agree with it, but then I also agree with Commissioner Branson. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's just a question of wording, and better to me, it's okay. Uh, I, I heard that uh, what the uh, staff read, and I was very happy with with the way that it's being wor uh, phrased. I I think it comes through as the fact that these design guidelines are, is, are not a straitjacket. This is, you know, there are alternatives and there's flexibility. So I'm I'm very happy with with you know how it reads right now. So I would just leave it as it is. Okay, that's, yeah. that's my opinion. I, oh, Commissioner Presley? So if the word better is not really consequential, then it won't matter if we remove it. <laughs> you, you okay with that? <laughs> Staff okay with that? Yeah, yes. it makes sense to everybody here. Yeah. So, so and remove the do word. Do we better. have any of the folks who wrote this? Is, is Miss um, Silver or her associate on the line? I'm curious after uh, Elsa's reading of it, what what might specifically still be um, nerve-wracking to the development community about it written that way? I mean, I read the letter and I did I did understand the gist, um, and and you know, having having been down this uh, path eight years ago, you know, I understand that's one of the most terrifying things for developers is uncertainty, um, and, and where I think we're saying we're we're making you certain you will meet these ten points. Um, that's good, but in cases we can't foresee, I'm sure they want to know that alternatives will be acceptable, and that that was my uh, that's just my thrust of it. So I don't we don't have anyone speaking today, do we? No, she's not not on the line. Okay, okay. 
right. sorry, don't mean to belabor it. Let's proceed. I'm sure I'll come back to it. <laughs> All right. If I may just state my position, I support staff's language. One of the signals to me here is the introductory clause, it is understood. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, like saying, I would say. Well, don't would say it. Say it. And I think staff said it. Um, I think it's understood. So introducing it by it is understood and adding more words doesn't, doesn't move the ball forward to me. You have violent agreement. Uh, so if we can proceed. Yes. Okay, thank you. So now we're, so we already talked about the generally, uh, and that's fine, we can remove the word generally, and then we'll move to the comments on the adaptive reuse section. So there are two comments on, uh, on this section. Um, so one comment, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk about them in the opposite order that they're on this slide, because one of the comments is more overall about the overall section. So as the board may recall, last time we were here, we mentioned that staff had reviewed the section and decided that the way we ordered things was unclear, and we wanted to reorder it as to not encourage any misinterpretation. And unfortunately, and we apologize that it was misinterpreted um, by the Art Deco Society to imply that we were saying there are other historically significant buildings outside of the locational atlas that we're recommending things for, um, while there were, we're not making recommendations for any buildings outside of that particular district. Um, the reasons are numerous, but in summary, mostly because even individual buildings on the atlas that are not within that particular district, they're very individual. They each have different characteristics. Of course, the redevelopment of any building on the atlas triggers an entirely new review process. And so we did not want to make, we don't need to have sort of guidelines for these individual sites. Those will be treated on a site-by-site -site basis should they come before the board for redevelopment, and then there's a much longer process attached to that. For these particular district sites, because we know some of those are opportunity sites in the sector plan, we wanted to make offer some guidelines on what would be the most likely treatment, and that goes to the second comment. It is, uh, if a building is already on the locational atlas, yes, that means that there has been some investigation into the building, so it has already been deemed to have some level of historic significance. Not the same level as sites on the master plan. Has, they have not made it there yet. But it is not, we don't just you know place buildings on the locational atlas kind of willy-nilly. So if you're already on there, you have some significance attached to your site. And so that table seven um, is, is outlining what we expect to be the most likely treatment. But since it is not necessarily a guarantee that that treatment would be applied upon redevelopment because they would trigger a whole process, we said, okay, we would recommend that we add those two words, most likely, um, because that, again, similar to the flexibility we've been talking about, provides obviously the flexibility for there to be other outcomes um, for those particular properties. And I think that should uh, sort of clarify and, and make clear um, the intent there. Uh, also, we just want to re you know reiterate that this is language. We did not put this language in the sector plan. This is in the design guidelines on purpose. It's a, you know, a strong suggestion about what we think might likely happen. It's giving these property owners a heads up. It's not prescriptive, as we just talked about. So I think um, that's our recommendation to add those two words. Yeah, I think sentence. most likely we could reach consensus on that. Never mind. No humor at all in the room. <laughs> uh, uh, everybody okay? Yes, I don't see any hands, so uh, we like most likely. Okay. And yeah. so the final comment um, that we received is also about flexibility, but this time it's talking about Eastern Avenue. So for a little bit of background, just to touch on the sector plan for a second, um, before uh, the sector plan actually removes an entire overlay zone that existed in downtown Silver Spring prior to this sector plan. So there, there are two overlay zones 
One of them is still there and one of them is not. So the one that was removed in the sector plan is called the Ripley South Silver Spring Overlay Zone. And it in included much of the area of South Silver Spring, including the Eastern Avenue border for, for much of that border. That overlay zone had very prescriptive height requirements along Eastern Avenue with different that were kind of, for this property, it's this. For this a property with this height, it's this. They were uh, required very deep setbacks that were sort of difficult to achieve. And so in the sector plan, we said, we recommend the removal of that overlay zone, and we will deal with Eastern Avenue heights and step down towards Eastern Avenue in the design guidelines. So in the guidelines, we're proposing um, we have a step back requirement, uh, recommend, recommendation rather, because it's a guideline right on Eastern Avenue that basically matches up with kind of the way we approach the building components and the building form section. And it gets at that same idea that we shouldn't have very tall buildings right up along Eastern facing the single family houses in the district. So we have recommended step backs, but again, speaking back to that same part of the, of the guidelines we just discussed in section 1.2.2, if a site is particularly constrained and they cannot <laughs> do that, we have room for flexibility. And I think that that same flexibility clause covers this as well. It's also talking about step backs. We're not going to, we don't think we need to provide additional language about that particular condition on Eastern. So that's so, the, the background for that. So you're going to do this by reference to the section or just repeat the section in this section? I think if we, if we, I don't, I mean, I'm not even sure we have to reference it because the other section is up front. And oh. the other, you know, part of it's the same question. What if we can't do a step back? What if the site is too small? Those were the kinds of questions similar to the questions raised by uh, Ms. Silver. It, and I think my answer is still it the takes same. You back there. Um, so that's our, uh, it's our approach to that comment. Okay. Everybody okay? I see no comments on that. So that's the last comment we received uh, on the design guidelines. So um, if the board has any further comments or questions, no. we're happy to answer. I, I thank you for redoing the the uh, the procedures uh, rules as well, so that they have procedures to conduct their meetings. <laughs> um, uh, anybody else? No. I will enter. You want separate motions on the guidelines for yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll entertain a motion uh, to approve the design guidelines as amended. Mr. Chairman, I move that we approve the design guidelines and design, excuse me, design advisory panel rules or procedure. We have to do the, we only have to do, okay. I, I, I move that we approve the design guidelines as amended. Do I see and I would second that. With the, with the note on file that we're always looking for the best of design. So uh, the reason I harped on flexibility is someone could present us with some hugely impressive thing that doesn't meet the 10, it meets some other. And I just want future boards to keep that in mind because we've got some pretty creative people out there. So with that, I'll second it. Right. And we have on record that the fact that the Guggenheim Museum could be approved in Silver <laughs> Spring from the last meeting. Um, That's good. <laughs> um, uh, seeing no other comments, all the, uh, do I have it? Did I get it? Yeah, I did get a second. Uh, uh, all those in favor say aye. 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 Everybody says aye. So there's no need yeah. for the others. Um, uh, and now I'll entertain a motion to approve the, the rules of procedure for the design advisory panel. I move that so we, uh, um, we approve the Silver Spring Downtown Advisory Panel rules or procedures. I don't think we have amended them in this session, so it's as submitted. No. Right. Uh, second. 
Okay, seeing no discussion, all those in favor say aye. 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 Thank you. Thank you for uh, bearing with uh, Thank you. a board that uh, gets to uh, worry about individual words every now and then. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're on. Uh, good afternoon, almost. It's uh, the uh, February 9th, 2023 session of the Planning Board. We are on item eight. This is a briefing. Uh, County Executive recommended biannual FY23 to 28 CIP and FY24 capital budget for the Department of uh, Parks. It, it is a public hearing, although we have no uh, one send up, sound up, signed up to testify. 
Uh, we'll hear from Mr. Frank from the Parks Department. Good morning, commissioners, and thank you. Uh, for the record, my name is Andy Frank. I am the division chief for the Park Development Division in Montgomery Parks. And I'm here this morning to present to you uh, the department's response to the county executive's recommended biannual uh, uh, 23 to 28 CIP and request approval to transmit a response to the county executive and county council. So just for background, um, we have a two-year CIP, but it does come up every single year. So the official uh, uh, FY 23 to 28 CIP was approved back in May 2022, uh, by the, adopted by the, the county council. Uh, we were, their six-year total was about 275 million. Uh, the only amendment we've had so far is the special, the supplemental appropriation that added the Bethesda Lots 10 and 24 PDF, uh, which was funded out of uh, Bethesda PIP and state aid. Uh, as every year occurs, uh, right after uh, January 15th, this year it happened to be on the 17th, uh, the county executive will issue uh, their uh, recommended uh, CIP and uh, capital budget. And in this case, uh, the county executive did not change any of our existing uh, PDFs, but did add what's known as an affordability PDF for MNC PPC, which is where they put in a negative numbers in certain years in certain funding types uh, that we need to, to meet. And in this, this year, the, uh, the affordability PDF included a, a reduction of 500,000 in uh, geo bonds for FY 26, 27, and 28. And of course, uh, each year this, the park staff looks at these responses or looks at the recommendation, and we have to identify uh, non-recommended reductions. Obviously, we prefer to go with what the county council approved. Um, but in this case, we did look at our different uh, geo bond funded programs and it looked like the least damaging one would be the reduction, taking the reduction in level of effort, uh, legacy open space of the, which would cover the 500,000 in each of the years. Um, and this is not cutting the funding. The uh, level, the legacy open space program has a historic and overall goal of uh, spending $100 million on acquiring uh, legacy open spaces, and that's still the goal. So that is not a cut in the funding overall out of the program. It's a delay into the beyond six years to make the math work, essentially. And oops, fast. Yeah. Um, it does. It's not without impacts, obviously. Uh, like I said, we would prefer to have no changes to our CIP uh, in a negative form, only positive forms. Um, and, it, and, you know, obviously it's legacy open spaces and acquisition program. So it, it does initially put a uh, funding constraint on for certain types of land acquisition. And there is a chance that it could uh, affect our ability to execute uh, acquisition transition if the uh, uh, opportunity arises during those time periods. Um, and as is normal, when if a larger acquisition uh, opportunity came up with uh, it had a lot of uh, public support, political support. Um, it, it would be not unusual for us to go for a supplemental appropriation of that particular time. Um, so 
you know, while this we feel this is the least of the uh, damaging uh, uh, options, you know, we do uh, feel strongly we have we feel strong support within the parks parks department for the legacy open space uh, program. And we believe that this we its goal is to preserve the best remaining open spaces within the county. And it's been great so far. We've uh, saved and created almost 400 4,000 acres of parkland over its history. And we do expect that legacy to continue. Um, so our, uh, our recommendation is and request is to ask the board to approve a non-recommended delay of $1.5 million in geo bonds uh, that would go into the beyond six years out of the legacy open space PDF. And um, the next steps, if the board approves this request, Staff will work with the chair's office to uh, prepare a formal transmittal that'll go from the planning board chair to the county executive and the county council. Uh, as you likely know, the council is uh, actively holding public hearings uh, to hear public input on the, 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 the county executive's recommended CIP. They will be having ongoing deliberations over the spring. There's always a chance that the county council will just restore that money. That is always a possibility. That's why it's a non-recommended um, uh, uh, reduction and the ultimate uh, council adoption is always in the in towards the end of May and that's when we would expect that final decision to be made and I'd like to take the opportunity to mention that the Parks Department is also uh, working with the st state delegation uh, to identify and request other funding through the state uh, General Assembly uh, through different programs they have, the Legislative Bond Initiative Program, as well as the, the uh, Local Parks and Playgrounds Infrastructure Program. And, uh, of course, we'll hear at the end of the General Assembly what our actual POS funding for FY24 will be. And we hope to be able to uh, package that information up when we have it into the ultimate uh, adopted, uh, amended adoption of the amended uh, FY23-28 CIP by the Council. And that is what I have, and I'm happy to take any questions. Commissioner Hill. I do have a question, which is, um, it seems to me budgeting choices are always about sort of priority and, and the lesser evil. Uh, absolutely. And we've, we've been presented with just one choice here, and I'm not, I understand that's staff's best, that's staff's best recommendation, but I would like to get sort of the reassurance of the feeling of uh, what, what were other possibilities. What's your second worst um, choice? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and I thought I'd just talk to you about uh, some of the other programs that are funded through, uh, through GEO Bonds, our ADA program, our Ball Field Initiatives program, our Minor New Construction program, our Sports Court program, our Pavement and Path Rehabil Rehabilitation program, our Hard Surface Trails program, our Vision Zero program, and of course, our implementation of the Wheaton Master Plan uh, is there. And while you know, uh, the, and while the Legacy Open Space is obviously an important program, you know, it's much more speculative about what uh, you know properties would be available to uh, acquire in those out years. Whereas the rest of these programs are essentially infrastructure based, where we have known issues with infrastructure that we know without continued in, in reinvestment in infrastructure, the problems only get bigger. And we've, we've seen that time and time again when, when uh, we're not able to get to a program uh, to getting to rehab an area. Um, um, 
you know, it, the deterioration just makes the costs even more expensive. And we do believe that these programs do provide very tangible uh, results for the community. And uh, also, we, we do know that um, there's always the possibility that the council will restore this funding uh, in the legacy open space. Uh, but remembering that this is FY 26, 27, and 28. Uh, we are actually in a very fortunate period. They are not asking us for reductions in FY24, which would be the worst, or FY25. And I just, just to let you guys know, we will be back before you later this summer and into the fall as we talk about the FY25 to 30 CIP. So the full CIP, uh, FY25 to 30, will have a full ability, you will have a full ability to restore that funding and talk, we're talking to the county council about it. So yes, we, we did. We did present, uh, talk, discuss a, lot, a couple different options with leadership and um, we, you know, it, as a whole, we all felt like this was, again, clearly the least of uh, negative impacts. And this is where uh, we would have to want to, we thought it would be best to put the non-recommended reduction. Okay. And just to crystallize that from my hanging my hat on it, I, two statements, and I think they're both true. One is that the other programs are really about safety, commitments already made, and infrastructure that is in the pipeline. Um, that's true. Absolutely. And the second is, in a sense, acquisition of more open space is about taking a funding shortfall and postponing the additional burden that open space would bring to us, and it's not a commitment that's already been made. Right. Okay. Right. Thank you. Commissioner Pinero. Okay. Well, uh, just uh, a question. I mean, I, I understand that uh, the, the council and the executive always ask for uh, budget reductions, and I guess the legacy open, uh, you the the uh, the person who was presenting was saying that it was more of a speculative because it it really addresses FY twenty six through twenty eight, and it's something that. Um, as opportunities arise. My question is, are there, I mean, is it that speculative that you really don't have any plans to acquire any parks? I'm thinking that if you uh, present a more specific to the council and telling them, okay, if you reduce the funds, this particular park, we're not going to be able to acquire this particular park that we were planning to acquire. Um, you know, to what extent that may have a little bit more weight um, rather than just saying, well, you know, we have this program and yeah, I mean, if you guys want to reduce 1.5 million, yeah, we'll, you know, this is more of a speculative thing. I'm just thinking, you know, to what extent can you, have you done any planning to think you know, in FY26, you're already envisioning uh, acquiring specific park. That's sure. my question. Sure. We, Commissioner uh, Presney would like to say something. Okay. Right That's okay. That's okay. Uh, you can just call me Cherie if it helps. I don't know. Um, here's, um, here's what I was going to say about that. I, I respect um, what, what Commissioner Pinero is saying. I also like to point out that today, um, we approved, uh, what was this, the, the Runnymede, Runnymede, my son, right? uh, which 
which exactly is one of those unforeseen opportunities. There was a um, horse stable. I think it's 32, 35 acres, something like that, um, that, that um, has become available only because apparently um, development, other, other types of development plans just aren't working out. And so now the county has, or the Parks Department has an opportunity to actually purchase that. That is like one of those unforeseen, fall in your lap chances. I, as you know, in, in my other life, um, I should point out that um, if such an opportunity arose after this kind of reduction is proposed, probably what would happen is that the agency would, would get a supplemental so, so that the opportunity would not evaporate. I mean, you know, God ain't making no more land. What we got is what we got. So, um, so, so I, I share your, you know, your concerns, but I just do want to point out that there is a very well-trod path to address that kind of, uh, gee, we can't let this chance pass us by. Thank you, Commissioner Branson. I appreciate your comment. I also agree with you. I mean, there's things that are gonna come up on the, and on the spur of the moment we have to act to acquire that park. But, I mean, I, it doesn't obviate the fact that we need to have not only a short-term strategy, a speculative strategy, but more of a medium and a long-term strategy. We gotta keep an eye on future uh, acquisitions in terms of, okay, if this if this is a possibility in, in let's say in FY26 or FY27, we're looking at that option mm -hmm. because things are gonna come up, yes, and, and we need to get a supplemental or we need to get whatever, uh, you know, recourse we have. But we also, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea to let people think, well, we really don't have, we're not planning. I mean, we're a planning agency. We need to be planning for parks um, in the midterm. You know, I, I think both long range and middle range, um, uh, particularly for for acquired parks. So that's. I mean, my my uh, my thing is, you know, to what extent we can say we have the following, uh, let's say, you know, pieces of land we're thinking about in the future acquiring so and so, uh, and if we get this budget reduction, we're not going to be able to do that. That's it. Okay. Uh, that was so, my only. So I uh, yeah we we obviously share your your thought that and there is a a, a robust planning uh, you know uh, program that goes on in identifying uh, potential uh, parkland acquisitions that are done through sector plans through master plans and through through uh, internal programmatic uh, planning um, so this is going on um, it is. And we, um, we obviously in our transmittal and in discussions with the county council, uh, we will reiterate the fact these are, this is not a uh, pie in the sky, you know, unthought of legacy open space program. It's been well thought out. There are parameters to what can be acquired. Um, 
and we are we we do maintain uh, our eye on both general long-term targets and real estate opportunities that um, that come up. Now, we certainly, in some cases, would not want to uh, foreshadow exact real estate uh, targets because obviously yeah, they're negative I agree. economic uh, and you know, of course we don't want to, to reveal it, our cards. But it is going yeah. on; it does exist. And uh, as uh, oh, uh, Mr. Branson uh, mentioned, uh, the Ed North uh, Soapstone Quarry was a was a great opportunity acquisition. And just so you know, that sort of thing fit well within our existing funding. So that was a great great thing. We the programs and acquisitions are funded by a variety of sources. Geo bond are only one source to it. Uh, we expect you know we come before you at least once a year, because we're doing this now, but we come before you multiple times a year. And uh, certainly every time we're coming before you, the near-term uh, acquisition targets are much better known. Uh, and of course, there's processes where we, we present those to you. The long-term processes uh, are, are more internal planning uh, and, and what they're looking for. But it, there can be so many variables in how an opportunity comes up. Um, and we'll be back here so often we will have plenty of time to discuss opportunities that come up and that would require additional funding. And there have been certain ones where we it has exceeded our funds, but there was very collective and obvious reasons why we would pursue. And we have done it, and we've had the support of the board going forward and been able to obtain the support of the council. And they have uh, those actions have preserved some some wonderful properties. We don't expect that to change. Okay, with that, I'll entertain a motion to uh, approve the staff non-recommended recommendation. That's what it is. So moved. Second. Okay, all those in favor say aye. 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 Everybody's aye. Thank you so much. All right, thank you.
Good morning. It's uh, still February 9th, 2023. We're on item six, Rustic Roads Functional, Functional Master Plan Update, work session number three. Um, it, I know it's uh, staff's uh, hope that we uh, approve a draft as the public hearing draft. I have to get the phrase right these days. Planning board draft. Um, I knew I'd be corrected. Thank you. Uh, and send it up to council for their public hearing and their del deliberations. Um, we have staff memos and we have uh, comments on staff memos, and I'm sure staff will take us through this all. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Yep, you guys is a generic phrase from New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. I thought it was used guys. Used guys. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Please go ahead. Sure. Uh, for the record, uh, Roberto Duke with the Up County Division. I'm here with my co-lead, uh, Jamie Pratt, and uh, Supervisor uh, Don Ziegler, and uh, from Historic Preservation, Casey Roan, and we're here for work session number three of the Rustic Roads Functional uh, Master Plan Update. Uh, as a summary, we just wanted to provide a brief summary. Uh, we held our first work session uh, about uh, four, four weeks ago, or five weeks ago, uh, January 5th, uh, uh, 2023, and we covered a number of issues there. Uh, and we had our work, uh, second work session two weeks ago, January 26th, where we talk, continued some items from work session number one. And uh, we uh, talked about uh, plan content and the organization and the uh, rustic road maintenance concerns. And today is uh, the third work session. Uh, at this work session, uh, we will have a continuation of uh, work sessions uh, items from work session number one and two, um, specifically Awkward Lane, some bridge issues uh, dedicated but un uh, unmaintained roads, road widths, drainage, and design exceptions. And then we will uh, finalize it by talking about uh, the uh, Rustic Roads Advisory uh, Committee membership and duties. So a continuation of items uh, from work sessions uh, one and two. Uh, with uh, all rustic roads, uh, we have a criteria checklist uh, to determine uh, whether the road is, should be included in the program. Uh, one of the primary things, or predominant, it shows uh, as number one, uh, area where natural, agricultural, historic features are predominant. Um, so we wanted to test this against uh, Awkward Lane. And in terms of it meeting the criteria or not, and uh, uh, for staff, we don't think that uh, Awkward Lane meets this particular criteria. Um, and, but it does meet the other criteria in terms of the narrowness of the road, uh, a low volume road. Um, in terms of number four, which has a number of uh, different criteria, sub-criteria, I would say, it does meet, follow the historic alignment. Um, and of course, it suggests that it's not unsafe for uh, have an unsafe configuration. Um, so in terms of uh, 
comments we received uh, at the last work session. We, we did receive comments just before uh, from a resident, uh, Ms. Uh, Maudlin, uh, requesting that it be included uh, in the program. Uh, she contends that, uh, you know, it's an area of natural, agricultural, and historic features are predominant. Um, and she included some photographs, and we have some of these photographs here. Uh, we would like to note that these photographs are beyond the public portion of the road. So this is a private road at this point uh, where these photographs are taken. Um, so the recommendation uh, for our plan recommendation is to not designate uh, the road as rustic. And uh, one, of the main, one of the main purposes is that um, in terms of the part that does appear rustic, it's not a public road. Um, and so we would like to get uh, planning board opinion on this and, and a, a decision. Commissioner Hill. Yeah, my opinion is uh, I agree with staff's position. Um, I appreciate that we could sort of numerically count up the yeses and nos on that one page, but it seems to me common sense to say that rustic roads should be rustic. And for the very reason you stated that the part of it that we can actually designate it really isn't rustic, I would support your conclusion on that. The other, uh, if you could go back to your slide on the, on the law, on f Chapter 49. Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I did see in the comments from the Rustic Roads Commission that that they are arguing that uh, you can uh, have some of these attributes but don't need all of these attributes. And, and I, I read uh, number four uh, that has in or at the end of subsection B. And I would say they are correct for, for those attributes in four. Now, it's interesting to me that I happened to copy, I don't know why I had the time, uh, this, this section of code. And unlike your section, at the end of C in the code is an and. So that implies that all of those, you have to go, you have to have attributes one, two, three, and four. Four you can meet in the or category, but you have to have one, two, three, four, five, rather. Uh, so I, uh, I agree with staff and just wanted to explain that. You know, can I just say this? Um, if you look at number one, um, there's that little or again. Um, in an area where natural, agricultural, or historic figures are predominant. So to me, that says that, you know, that or does not require that you have the two things, the, the two characteristics that preceded it. Just like right. we yeah. understand that in 4C, that or, uh, excuse me, the in, in 4, between B and C, the, the or should actually be an and in the code. Is that what you're saying? No. I, okay. I, I'm saying or the, the or in one is you have to do one, two, or three there, right? And the staff is saying it does not meet that criteria. But no, the staff is saying it does have the historic because then the staff says on 4C that it, it follows historic alignments. 
it, it's whether it's predominant to meet the first uh, criteria. Locations in an area where natural resource and historic features are predominant. It's only in four uh, subsection um, C that, that has historic resource follow, following historic alignments. It does meet historic alignments. It doesn't meet one according to staff. Which is the predominant. Right. Okay. So, so I noted in the uh, staff's write-up that um, they did acknowledge that, that Awkward Lane has, that there may be some other designation that would be suitable. So what, what would that be? Um, and who does that? Well, it, on our previous uh, presentation, we did say that Awkward uh, would not be designated in terms of uh, road classification. So it, it wouldn't be designated in that manner. I think we were, were discussing that it could have some type of placard or, or something of some sort to note the history of the community and surrounding the area. So, um, so who would do that? I can, I can speak to that, Casey Rowan, Historic Preservation, for the record. So our office, the Montgomery Planning, does maintain a small historic marker program. Um, and we have in the past with previous master plans, like we did with Silver Spring, make a recommendation in the plan for places where we feel markers would be appropriate in the future. So we could say within this plan, make a recommendation that this would be an appropriate site that we would recommend for a marker. And then as the plan was implemented moving forward, we could consider through our marker program whether we could do that marker or we're always happy to work with, with groups like the Preservation Association here to see what we can do to connect them with private sources of funding or potential grant funding um, for placing a marker. Well, you know, th I think that's a compromise I could live with if we make the recommendation in the plan that, um, that, that Orchard Lane has a uh, historic marker. I, I see Commissioner Pinero would like to speak. Okay, um, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, the what I heard the staff presenter asking for guidance from the board had to do with the photographs that he showed at the end. That's and he said that those photographs were yes, they were rustic, but it applied more to the private part of the road. And I thought that what he was asking for guidance from the from us was whether a private road could be designated as rustic. And I am of the opinion that no, because a private road can be changed by a private party. Yes. So I don't know whether that answers this question or, or whether we need to take a position on, on the board the, the, uh, regarding private, you know, a road that is partly public and partly private. The, the question is whether we should designate the public session or a section of the road, not the private, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, a private yeah, road can't be. And I agree that be, we should not. Okay. A private road can't be part of the okay. uh, program. Uh, Commissioner Presley? Yes, I was just gonna say it, it's very clear to me, uh, even based on what the chair reiterated, that you must have one, one element of one, two, three, four, and five. And so it, I'm in agreement with the staff. This this part is not 
uh, rustic road. What I'm not sure is whether or not it's part of this plan to put the plaque. I agree with that. That would be a, a good thing to do. But is this the appropriate uh, place to mention the addition of a plaque noting the historical significance, or is there a separate venue for that? No, this is this would be the time and place to to do that. Okay. It's part of a, an existing program. Yeah, I, I would agree with with that part, but I think otherwise it's it's clear based on the criteria that we can't designate this as a rustic road. I, I'm wondering in the plaque idea. It seems to me the Holly Grove neighborhood is really what is historic and needs recognition and that burying a plaque for that in the neighborhood at the junction with awkward lane is possibly not the best location to recognize holly grove i'm sorry could you restate your question i'm i'm wondering the, the position was put forward as putting a, a plaque about history at awkward lane but it seems to me what really is historic here is the holly grove neighborhood and i'm wondering if that's the best location for a plaque about holly grove if that's what we think is most historic. I think that typically in the plan, we wouldn't specify a, a site, particularly in this area. It would likely go on private property, so we would need to find a private property owner who was cooperative. So we wouldn't get down to that level of detail. We would say this area is appropriate for historic marker, and certainly it should capture the history of, of both roads is equally part equally shared in the history of the Holly Grove community. So any marker would recognize both roads as part of that community. Is it just to be clear? Is is Holly is is a part of Holly Grove rustic a rustic road? I thought it was. I don't. Uh, Holly, you uh, last or in a last work session or two work sessions ago, <laughs> yeah. determined that or you all determined that uh, Holly Grove should be included as a rustic road. Okay. Okay. So we we basically be having all our bases covered if. Holly Grove is rustic, and, and, and there's a plaque that, that includes a discussion of, of this historic black community. Is that, is that, I mean, that's a compromise I could live with. I think that's fair. And to be clear, the, the plan would include language recommending that a marker be placed here right. in the future. That's fine. Thank you. Everybody okay with that and, and not designating the road? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Next one. Um, with the uh, bridges, uh, existing language in the bridge section of the introduction chapter, uh, we're replacing uh, the sentence in red on the screen. Um, we're removing that um, and replacing it with, with language uh, uh, on, that was uh, shown in, the staff, in our staff report. Uh, and uh, I'll discuss on the following uh, slides. Uh, specifically um, with the introduction chapter in the, the new text uh, after the first paragraph, so the existing first paragraph, and that's shown on page four of your uh, staff report. Um, I, it identifies uh, the bridges that are uh, eligible for listing on the National Register. And we wanted to make a note in our staff report, we said four, but it should be actually five. Uh, that includes uh, Montevideo uh, Road, which is the bridge that you can see uh, on the photograph here. Um, and that the uh, road profiles, the updated road profiles include details, uh, should include details about the rehabilitation project and natural, uh, national register eligibility. Um, and then following that, uh, second insertion uh, in that same section, 
uh, after the current uh, second paragraph, and the actual text is uh, shown on also on page four of your staff report that explains how uh, maintenance imp improvements are handled uh, through uh, the existing executive regulations and how they're addressed on rustic and exceptional rustic roads. There was a, a comment on deleting the sentence, special bridge design for features identified in the master plan should be preserved, should be deleted. Uh, I, I will get to that in, in oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, in, in a, in a, in a few sorry. slides. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I would, uh, anybody have any comments on the staff recommendation? I, I don't have any comments on staff recommendation, but I'd like to focus on the para staff paragraph for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I, the last sentence right, starts a new bridge, and then it has an intervening clause, but the end of it says the, the bridge deck must be compatible in width with the width of the road. And then elsewhere in the plan, we seem to be saying that the bridge should, bridges should be replaced resembling what they are historically. Those two strike me as in conflict. Doesn't this say that new bridges should be as wide as the road? I think it does. Compatible with the width. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's talking about compatibility of the width of the bridge deck with the width of the road. Right, um, but for a new bridge, right, mm -hmm. the bridge deck must be compatible in width with the width of the road. What if, what if the existing bridge had a narrower deck to begin with? A one-lane bridge on two-lane road, we have those, right? And I think right. it's a saying if that bridge is replaced, it should be replaced with a two-lane bridge. I'm not sure that's in, that's in agreement with other references and other intentions in the plan. Right. Uh, you know, I... With the Glen, well, I, I think with certain roads um, that the the, bro, the road pinches down. I, I'm, I'm a, at the point where it meets the bridge itself, so it could be taken that that is consistent um, in terms of the dimensions matching the width. If you added the words, uh, the width of the road at the entrance to the bridge, I think that might cover it. I think the approach of the bridge is what's... The approach. We could, we could. I'm from New Jersey. I enter a bridge. <laughs> we, we could uh, add that. To yeah, I'm, I'm worried that that statement taken, you know, in, in isolation, and it's, it's written that way, is a mandate that says the yeah, bridge has to be as wide as the road, and I think we, we do need to qualify yeah, that. Yeah, when you have a narrow bridge. Is that Okay. okay. Yes. Every, everybody okay? I see no hands. We're all okay with that addition. I think the, I'm okay with the addition with the understanding that we're only talking about rustic roads. We're oh, yeah, not yeah, talking yeah. about all, all oh, yeah, yeah. you know, narrow bridges and like there's one in what uh, Gaithersburg. There's, I mean, there's a number of very narrow bridges that don't have to take the no, right. The, the the width of this of the uh, you know entering the bridge. I mean, they're just historic. Right. Um, but for rustic road, generally, they're. I mean, we've already said that they're very narrow roads, and they're probably going to stay that way. Right. So I'm okay with it. Okay. Thank you. Continuing on. And uh, planning board staff asked us to provide uh, legislative clarity. Uh, 
in Chapter 49 of how to treat uh, bridges on rustic roads regardless of uh, whether they have been designated as significant features or not. Um, and planning staff uh, in our implementation chapter, we're recommending uh, amending that uh, just uh, to say clarify how bridge on rustic roads should be preserved. And instead of when maintenance is, is we've struck that out and say when improvements are necessary, uh, regardless of whether the bridge has been identified as a significant feature. Seeing no objections. Uh, hi, this is Jamie Pratt for the record. And um, I'm going to take us through a couple of slides here um, where uh, we're trying to finish the previous thought about adding clarity to Chapter 49 about how, to, how we intend for these bridges to be improved when necessary. So I was looking at the executive regulations, which already describe how, to, how it's to be done. Um, and I think there's a lot of good language in there. It's a little bit confusing, the differences between how bridges on rustic roads are to be treated versus exceptional rustic roads. Um, but you know, they both start out with this common notion that the design of material preserves or enhances the rustic appearance of the road and the scale and materials are similar to those of the previously existing structure. Um, but then for rustic roads, you'll notice that you can have a different design for environmental, economic, or safety reasons, um, but again, with design materials that complement or enhance the rustic appearance, whereas for exceptional rustic roads, they left out economic reasons for some reason. And then uh, we have this notion on rustic, regular rustic roads that you can correct the a substandard approach road geometry as long as it's in character with the existing unmodified portions of the roadway, whereas that is not something that they um, currently specify for exceptional rustic roads. Uh, there's also in re regular rustic roads this idea that there needs to be adequate weight-bearing capacity and horizontal clearances to accommodate emergency vehicles and agricultural equipment, um, whereas this is um, not specified in, for exceptional rustic roads. Um, and finally, we have the bridge deck must be compatible to the widths of the unaltered roadway versus um, the exceptional rustic roads where the deck, um, and this gets to the language we were just talking about, where it says uh, a newer rehabilitated deck should be no wider than the existing approaches. Correct. Um, but then it only specifies it can be widened for agricultural equipment. So I was trying to take all of these ideas that are already in the regulations to say, well, what should the code say so that the regulations say what the code should say? So I was kind of driving the horse from the cart or something here with um, trying to come up with what Chapter 49 should tell the regulations to say based on what the regulations already say. Um, so we had... Uh, we are adding a lot of bridges as significant features. If you look at the existing bridges that are significant features, they all have some sort of design element about them that makes them, uh, when they have done the original plan, they, you know, these are tr truly exceptional bridges that need to be preserved. And now in this plan, we're adding uh, 28 new bridges, most of which are more ordinary design. 
Um, and they were, we all agreed at the first work session that they should be significant features because of the contribution to the character of the road. But then do they need to be improved at the same level as the uh, existing bridges with the existing design, interesting design features. So we uh, came up with this language based largely on what the words already used in the regulations just to try to kind of get at the, get at what it's trying to do without being unnecessarily burdensome for improvements on the bridges that are less interesting, if you will. So we, the language here, where there was a Replacement or rehabilitation of a bridge identified as a significant feature must be of a design and materials that preserve or enhance the rustic appearance of the road. Special bridge design features identified in the road profiles um, in the master plan should be preserved. Uh, this in the road profiles, by the way, was added here in this presentation, so those words are not on the staff report, but we are trying to be a little clearer about where one should look. And then we have, if a different design is required for safety reasons or to accommodate the movement of agriculture-related equipment, a new bridge must be of a design materials that complement or enhance the rustic appearance of the road. So we thought that this language was broad enough to cover all the bridges and then the specifics of how you treat one that's on an exceptional rustic road is best handled in the regulations as they currently are. Because um, we were starting to get into this um, difficult mm -hmm. text uh, wording of, of text that would cover every single bridge situations, and it, it just became very difficult. So we decided to leave it more broad like this. Commissioner? Yeah, yeah it's kind of like strain and span. But let me just, um, here's what I would suggest. I have no problem with the language you have suggested here with one minor exception, uh, and that is the word special. I would suggest omitting the word special because it's going to get you in trouble later on. Um, you already have us a, a um, you, you already have used language that um, sufficiently identifies what you mean by special. So if somebody comes along in five years and says, oh, well, is this special? Yeah, no, don't have to worry about that because what you mean by special is bridge design features identified in the road profiles. So I would just get rid of that special because it's going to be especially a mess later on. Well, are there any design features identified in the master plan? Uh, yes, I mean, well, well, there are design features, uh, at, like on the front uh, cover of our presentation, we have that pipe rail bridge, so we do have that designated, saying the pipe rail bridge. Uh, the truss bridge on Montevideo, the one we just discussed. So, so there are, there are other. So, so you disagree with deleting that sentence? No, it's not the sentence, it's well, just the I, word. No, I'm, you, you, the Commissioner, you you recommended deleting that one word. One word. The 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 uh, rustic roads committee recommended deleting the sentence. Oh, so that's okay. what. No, I'm I just asking. want one word gone. I I don't have a problem with the rest. <laughs> I, I think the rest of the sentence provides really guidance for later on. The uh, one word makes it makes it muddy. 
But th this is the sentence that the advisory committee suggested that we remove. Um, so that's in their, their testimony in response to our staff report. Um, but we, we think that uh, if we don't have this sentence, then bridges without special design features, without design features that are important to preserve, then it's gonna tie the hands of improvements on those bridges to even like make them better bridges, more, more compatible with the rustic road. Uh, so we have um, in the, there's one plan appendix that um, was not included, but it shows how the significant features are worded for all of the county maintained bridges. And um, it, it'll say things like concrete and pipe rail bridge over the Little Monocacy River or one lane steel bridge over Great Seneca Creek. And then within the, the road profiles themselves, we sometimes elaborate a little bit more about the bridges and what makes them unique. Are you okay or not okay with deleting the word special? I, I think that that's a, a wonderful suggestion. Wonderful. But I don't think we should remove the sentence because that's what sets the ordinary bridges and the less ordinary bridges apart. Okay, I think you got consent to move the sentence, but, but speak the word. I, I don't see any commissioners asking questions. Uh, dedicated funding for rustic road maintenance is um, provide a dedicated funding source uh, for the maintenance of rustic roads. Uh, and this was suggested by both the RIC and the agricultural community. Um, we were suggesting not to make any changes to the plan. Um, and we feel that, uh, you know, this is part of the operating budget and um, specific and we should say um, the scope of this particular master plan um, because when we're looking at this particular master plan we're looking at the historic character of the road and how the significant features should be preserved and so an existing road and how these uh, features should be maintained um, and it's up to MCDOT um, to determine county executive and, and the council to determine uh, those types of things. My, my, only, my only question with this is the, uh, what, it, what is it called, DBU? What, what is it? Am I getting the... Right. Dedicated but unmaintained. Right, so, so how, does, how does this language um, mesh with the dedicated but unmaintained roads that, that we have? Uh, well, I, I think we we realized after we made this presentation that maybe we should have used the word dedicated, a different word, just because it does confuse the issues. This this has nothing to do with the DBU program. Okay. It's just the dedicated funding specific to the maintenance of vegetation along rustic roads. It just happens to be the same adjective, and and. Uh, unfortunately, it confused the issue. Um, there is another slide coming up about the DBU program, um, but they yeah, I think I think if you take out well, no, the the use of the word dedicated is not what confused me. I mean, what, what confused me is that we we've had several conversations about, um, especially our public hearing, was really about people. I think 
um, specifically on, I think it's Holsey Road or Halsey Road. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, and they they had a lot of concerns about the how the rustic road designation jibed with or lack thereof jibed with the um, maintenance of the road. And, and uh, you know, as I we discussed before, there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. And so, I'm my concern is a. Will this language make that misunderstanding more so? Or, and, and B, how does this language um, mesh with the fact that we know we have dedicated but unmaintained roads? You can take the, the word dedicated out of this, that um, out, of, out of this suggested language. That doesn't have any, that doesn't play any, any role at all in what I'm asking. If that's clear, probably not. I, I, all we're trying to say is that you know it's already been established in the code that these roads are to receive regular maintenance. If they're not, the DBU list is something completely different. Um, but um, we're, we're just saying that this master plan shouldn't dictate to the county how to arrange their budget to maintain rustic roads versus other roads in the county. We think that that needs to be discussed at budget time. There's a pot of money that comes in and some of it gets spent here and some of it gets spent there. And we didn't want to get really specific about how the operational budget of operating budget of the it, county works. It, it strikes me that, you know, we just went through approving a master plan for a public hearing in which we had a ton of recommendations to fund both CIP and operating expenses uh, uh, by DOT. Uh, and yet here, where we are advocates for this program, we say, let's not have any recommendation. That seems, or it's out of scope to the master plan. Um, seems differential treatment to me. Who would like it? I'll start. Tanya Stern, Acting Planning Director, for the record. I think the important thing to keep in mind is that the pedestrian master plan, which is what you're referring to, and the Rustic Roads uh, Functional Master Plan, these are, these are two very different types of plans in terms of their scope and, and sort of what they are intended to impact. The pedestrian master plan is, as you all, the draft uh, pedestrian master plan, uh, which will be going, um, uh, which is now out for a public hearing is really a whole series of strategies in order to improve the pedestrian experience in a county. It does not go to the level of detail even that the Rustic Roads uh, Master Plan goes into, but really to me, from my perspective, and I you know, ask uh, Patrick Butler to also chime in as well as the, the team for this project, Rustic Roads really is about preserving the history um, and the conditions um, that sort of speak to that, the history, the natural features of the rustic roads. Um, and it is less of a sort of broad strategy plan, which I feel the pedestrian master plan is really geared more towards. So that's how I see the distinction and why it makes sense yeah. to reference, you know, uh, putting out ideas for potential uh, funding to support different um, strategies to improve the pedestrian experience. 
for the pedestrian master plan, but for this, to me, the Rustic Rose master plan has a very different type of focus. I would just add one thing, Patrick Butler, uh, that um, uh, for the, uh, the plan, the pedestrian plan, uh, the CIP operating budget, those are going to be critical to ultimately implementing that plan's vision, whereas uh, the Rustic Roads program, that, that is, you know, one very, you know, that's one piece of the overall vision. It's, it's not the critical piece to implementing that vision. So we didn't feel that there was something specifically that needed to be included in the plan. Um, that's why there was a distinction between the two. Commissioner Hill. Yeah, I, I have a recollection that we made a big point with Department of Transportation to say that Rustic Roads should get no more or less maintenance than other roads. And it strikes me that setting up an alternative funding source is, is not in agreement with that. And it gives DOT the opportunity to kind of, you know, park, park the issues with this other stream of funding. And I don't think that's a good mechanism. I was, would have suggested that rustic roads get more maintenance, not, not the same or less. But, um, you know, I'm sorry, but I just don't see the distinction of the, you know, um, there are overarching principles there have to be. And so either in, in um, these plans, we take it upon ourselves to make recommendations that involve how money is spent, or we don't. It can't be one rule for one kind of plan and one rule for another kind of plan. There have to be overarching principles because those are the kind of rule, those are the kind of things that allow people to truly understand how government works and what it impacts. I understand that that for many, I understand that it would it, it would be easy to see that the pedestrian um, plan was a series of strategies that required funding to implement. I get that part. I also understand that the rustic road plan is also a series of strategies that require that require funding. You know, um, what you call it, Tri uh, trimming trees and fixing bridges and all that. Those are those are operational actions strategies that require funding to implement. I don't see any difference. So we're either going to mention money, and are we not? And, and since we've been doing that, I suggest we do it here too. May I make a, su a suggestion? Um, because I think, and I, I think from our perspective, we did not feel the need to move forward with a recommendation that specifically says provide a quote unquote dedicated funding source. Uh, for maintaining rustic roads, but uh, given your comments, Commissioner Branson, perhaps as a suggestion, we can take an approach that we do take for other master plans, which is to explore, consider uh, appropriate funding levels for uh, for maintenance of rustic roads, something in that vein. So it still gives MCDOT the ability to look at what the you know what's being done now and sort of leaves it up to them to determine whether or not they want to take a different direction, but it acknowledges that this is an issue that has come up. Was, is that something that Understood. is amenable? We'll, we'll see from Commissioner Pinero first. 
Yes, thank you, Mr. Chair. I, you know, I tend to agree with what Director Stern is saying, just a general statement, because we have to recognize, first of all, we don't have any idea how much this is going to cost. We, uh, you know, to, to make specific uh, recommendation for funding, uh, I mean, this is, it, it's very vague. And uh, I think a general statement, yes, that they should be given priority and and some kind of funding, but but again, this is a strategy. This is a plan to designate historic areas as rustic roads. It's not an implementation plan. Implementation requires, yes, funding, cost, who's gonna be paying for what, where, you know, all that kind of, and, and this plan obviously doesn't have that. Now, a general statement, which uh, Director Stern is saying, I, I would agree with that. Okay. That's my only comment. Uh, I count three. I count four. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're good with, with asking yeah. for more revenues, not necessarily a dedicated funding source, but, but a higher commitment to, to maintenance of these roads for everybody's benefit. Okay. Yeah. And now in terms of uh, dedicated but unmaintained uh, county <laughs> road policy, it, I'll, I'll tell you, we were looking through this and we got stumbled a, a few times going through the two slides. But um, in the uh, introduction uh, chapter providing uh, text on the dedicated but unmaintained uh, policy, and that's uh, on your staff reports in, on pages eight and nine, uh, and then also in the implementation chapter, uh, providing uh, the following statement, revise the dedicated but unmaintained road, uh, county road policy to provide context sensitive guidance on how an existing road in the DBU county roads list can be bought up to standards that D MCDOT will accept. Um, and so we'll have those two sections that we would add to the plan. I think that's, that's great <laughs> and clarifying for. Um, in terms of uh, road widths, uh, there was a concern uh, that uh, MCDOT in the future would uh, misunderstand uh, when we provide a range for road widths, uh, that uh, they would provide the maximum, rate, maximum road width range uh, when um, uh, doing improvements along a road, a rustic road. And so uh, in the road characteristics uh, section of the road profile chapter, uh, we want to provide some additional language uh, saying that uh, the, widths, uh, the width shown in the table is frequently expressed as a range because road widths vary throughout their lengths. Actual road widths should be documented along a road or road segment before any maintenance or improvements are undertaken so that they would know exactly what the width is as they're doing the improvements along the road. I don't, I don't have any problem with no. the, the description there. I think that's a good approach. I, and not that implementation is part of this, but it's a realistic consideration. Who's gonna document this? And are we assured that they can get ahead of the maintenance schedule? We do in the, in the plan with the road characteristics have that range provided. So what we're saying is that as they're going out to make uh, 
improvements along the road, they need to have a baseline to determine, you know, this is the width of the road. Um, I, 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 as I was looking at this, I realized that we didn't also suggest that we add a recommendation to the implementation chapter where we, there's a whole bunch of recommendations about maintenance and this is not included. So I, I was going to suggest just now that we add one more plan recommendation that says MCDOT should document the road widths along these these roads before they do any maintenance or improvement. Would that get at what you're asking? Yes, that's, that's, I'm just wondering, you know, I, yeah, we, it was our idea making a new task for our RAC. Yes. It was someone in the county and you're yes, saying that? that's a good question. Um, Department of Transportation so, is going to do it. Yeah, we, we made, tried to make sure in our recommendations that we always specified an actor. Right. And, and that makes sense to me because my concern was there was some statement about there's not always communication about what MDOT is going to do for maintenance. And if we miss that gap and if the person doing it doesn't get ahead of them, then it doesn't get done, right? But if MDOT is responsible for it, they can do it. Continuing on with that recommendation and implementation. Um, with uh, drainage, um, there was concern that uh, regarding drainage that sometimes uh, drain ditches sometimes occur along rustic roads and the culverts need to be maintained properly to avoid road damage. And this was uh, a comment made by the ROC. RRAC, and so staff uh, has proposed adding uh, text uh, or a drainage section to uh, elaborate uh, regarding this on uh, page 10 of your staff report. Um, additionally, uh, in the implementation chapter, uh, we're proposing uh, a recommendation 13 that says uh, drainage should be maintained consistent with executive regulations on drainage use best practices to manage drainage on roads without storm drains or ditches. So just to, to provide a little bit more clarity. And then after recommendation 13 to add a uh, another uh, recommendation in that section saying culverts under rustic roads should be routinely inspected and cleared, uh, amend the executive regulations on drainage to include routine inspection and clearance of uh, clearing of culverts. And since we just added the section on on uh, getting a handle on road widths in our implementation, should we not have a similar recommendation to have an inventory of culverts? Um, and that was our our next uh, slide uh, <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the, in, terms of, the in, in terms of uh, drain, uh, uh, in terms of drainage. Uh, uh, that and this was from the RRAC to that MCDOT should provide an inventory of culverts along rustic roads so that the committee can help identify which ones are blocked. Um, our plan recommendation is not to include this uh, inventory. Um, you know that this is uh, the responsibility of uh, MCDOT to carry out those routine inspections um, and maintenance. Um, and I mean, you can ask them to do it in your in your implementation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ask the OT to, to yeah. create an inventory. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the DOT probably has an inventory that, already, right. but but so, um, but the question is is whether that 
inventory needs to be shared with the committee so the committee can go out and inspect them and then tell DOT that there's a culvert that's blocked. And we're saying that we think the MCDOT can do that without running it by the committee. It, it's it's just a piece of knowledge so everybody knows, so it's on record somewhere. It doesn't seem an unreasonable request to, to not mandate that the RAC go do inspections, but to have an inventory of them so, if, if, so anybody can go inspect. Okay, that sounds fine. Be. I just um, wasn't clear that the, you know, that, that it was uh, clear from our point of view that the inventory and who, who does something about it are two different matters. Um, but it does okay, remind me. Everybody on, okay on that? Okay. Yes. Um, so again, backing up one slide uh, where we have <laughs> the new recommendation of culverts under rustic roads should be routinely inspected and cleared. Yeah. I want to suggest that we also put MCDOT as the actor of that, um, those inspections. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have one quick wordsmithing thing. I'm going to channel the chair for a minute because <laughs> there's, a, there's, a con, um, there's a contrasting conjunction in here that doesn't contrast. So I'm looking now on page 11, the, the text there that starts, some ditches and storm drains exist on rustic roads. And it's the next sentence. Right. The criteria for rustic roads do not exclude roads from the program if such features exist, but their presence should not be used as the sole reason to remove the road. It seems to me those are, are the same, the same line approached from different directions, and there's no, you know, there's no contrast there that requires. But I would put or. Is that text in? I'm sorry. Is that text that's to go in the code or just in the uh, staff report? I, I don't see where you are. It's on page 10 uh, in the middle. It says staff proposes adding the following oh, text okay. to the introductory language. Um, so yeah, I, I see the point that um, I, I think that I could scratch the word but and put a semicolon. Either way, I just it struck me that the, uh, the conjunction there was inappropriate. It's the first time I felt channeled. <laughs> I know that's one of your pet peeves. Yeah, <laughs> mostly it's with however. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, uh, uh, in, uh, in regards to design exceptions, uh, add a note that Federal Highways Administration allows design exceptions be reinserted into the re recommendation regarding design exceptions. Uh, and this was from the REC. And uh, we were saying that we should not add that to the plan, that text. Um, we feel that the, the plan doesn't need to specify which agency uh, or, local, or level of government allows design exceptions uh, for the funding of bridge uh, projects. Because it might be anyone. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it could change right. over time. Um, okay. So to say so a specific agency uh, may be an issue. It, See no objections. Uh, so now it's time to talk about the RRAC membership and duties. Uh, so we had a proposal to change the membership of the committee itself from seven to nine members, uh, as well as to eliminate the 50% farm income requirement for the three farmer members on the committee. Um, 
members from and organizations that represent the uh, farming community oppose the changes, uh, both, both, both changes. Um, so the rationale presented for changing the membership is that they're volunteers with a significant workload and they would like to have more hands available to, to do some of their work. Um, and then they also pointed out that uh, if you do add certain members from certain groups, then it could also help the county's racial equity and social justice initiative where they point out that um, I believe that uh, there haven't been uh, any non-white members of the committee um, for, you know, since 1996 when it, or 1983, I believe, when it first uh, was created. Uh, so then there is a rationale for not changing the membership that was from the farming community where they already feel like their voice is diminished on the committee, and if you remove the income requirement, then these commodity farmers that, that rely on these roads for their businesses will no longer have a meaningful voice on the committee, so they were opposed to the changes. Uh, this uh, history of where the, how we got here is that the um, advisory committee had um, submitted testimony during the Complete Streets Design Guide discussion before the county council uh, where they were proposing other changes to the chapter uh, 49 of the code to implement the Complete Streets Design Guide where there were specific um, changes needed for to make sure that rustic roads were um, adequately addressed in the new bill. Can you um, hang on a second? Uh, Commissioner Presley has a, a comment or concern that I didn't yeah, want to pass I, up. I, I, the first question I had was, why has there not been a non-white member? Is that directly related to not having non-white farmers, or have we not uh, reached out? I don't, I don't know the history of how the members have been selected. Uh, they are um, appointed by the county executive and then confirmed by the council. I, I, I suspect that you're largely right about the, the commodity farmers. I don't know if there are any black farmers in or, or other races either in the county that are making more than 50% of their income from farming. So that's already one. I mean, some of that makes sense And then based the, on history. The other four members, which I'll show you how they're defined in a second, um, it may be difficult to find somebody that meets that criteria in general, and and perhaps um, perhaps that's led to this. But I'll show you those criteria in a minute, and maybe you, you can see okay. if you think that that might be contributing to the problem. Uh, yeah. But, I also, I I agree that with the farmers who are saying that you shouldn't reduce the requirement. It's going to it's going to give a different perspective that can skew what's really needed for those who are making their living uh, predominantly on commodity farming. Okay, well, hold that thought because we will get to those recommendations. Um, anyway, so what happened is they had suggested these membership changes along with the Complete Street Design Guide changes. You know, while you're in Chapter 49 making changes, we think that you should make these changes and uh, Ultimately, the T&E committee of the council agreed with planning staff that this issue should be addressed with this active master plan because it has nothing to do with complete street design guide. And they agreed. They said, yes, bring it up when you talk about the master plan. 
So that's why we got here. So the same comments were submitted again as same recommendations were submitted once the public hearing draft of this plan had been published. And so a little background here is this is the current membership criteria in county code where we have three farmer members, members who are owner operators of commercial farmland earning 50% or more of their income from farming, one of whom is represented the Agricultural Advisory Committee. And then we have a member who knows rural preservation techniques through practical experience and training, same with roadway engineering. And then there are two civic association representatives one uh, from civic associations located in the Ag Reserve and one in the civic associations outside the Ag Reserve where there are rustic roads. Uh, and wrapped together with all of this membership question is, well, what are the duties of the committee that um, their workload seems substantial um, and that might inform the decision of whether they need additional members uh, so we looked at where county code currently defines responsibilities for the committee and you know primarily they're defined in article 49 which is streets and roads which you saw the language a second ago um, that defied the membership and in a minute you'll see the duties in chapter 49 and then article 50 which is subdivision of land has some additional responsibilities for the committee laid out and then the executive regulations that implemented Article 49 have some duties that were not specifically mentioned in Article 49. So first we look at what, when the, in, in the code that establishes what the committee is, it says this is what they need to do. They promote public awareness and knowledge of the County Rustic Roads Program. They review and comment on classification of rustic roads and exceptional rustic roads. They review and comment on executive regulations and other policies and programs that affect rustic roads. And then uh, every other year, they submit a report um, on the status of the program. So this is all it said in Chapter 49 that they should be doing. Uh, in Chapter 50, it mentions scenic vistas that are on rustic roads must be shown on a plan drawing. Um, but it doesn't specify that there's any action necessary by the committee um, although for master plan uh, conformance, it does, uh, the master plan does encourage the preservation of views and vistas when constructing new buildings. So it is part of the uh, subdivision process, um, but who carries out the review of such items is, is not specified. Uh, and then the planning board must not require improvements in the subdivision process uh, that would be contrary to the rustic roads. And so this um, is a way of saying if there ever is a conflict between what Chapter 49 says and what Chapter 50 says, you know, you need to do what Chapter 49 says. Although if you absolutely can't get around it, then you would seek the advice of the RRAC um, if, if some requirement, if some improvement would be required that's contrary to the rustic roads law. So that's a, a time when the rustic road, you know, the, it doesn't happen often, um, but it could happen that, that somebody needs to decide if this thing we're going to have to make them do for whatever reason, uh, let's run it by the committee. Uh, but there's not an explicit requirement in Chapter 50 that says that subdivision plans are to be reviewed by the committee. 
However, we have traditionally uh, sent the committee uh, subdivision plans for their comments because we do appreciate and value their input because they know these roads better than anyone, but it's not explicit. Um, and now we have the executive regulations which um, specify that they'll re review road improvement projects, um, that they'll review sign permits, and that they'll provide comments uh, on road maintenance and improvement procedures. So the review road improvement projects only makes sense, but it's not specified in Chapter 49. Uh, the sign permits, again, it's, it makes sense that they would review these, but it's not specified as one of their duties. Um, and in the code, but it is in the regulations. Uh, so and then we looked at other things that um, they regularly do, uh, such as reviewing conditional use and site plans. Um, these are covered under Chapter 59, which does not mention a review by the committee. But again, we've been sending these, um, we've been asking them to look at these plans um, probably from the beginning. Um, and then there is the guidelines for foliage and tree maintenance, which is an agreement between the Rustic Roads Advisory Committee and MCDOT that we talked about at the last work session, where we agreed that that, um, that agreement should be brought up uh, and, and put into the regulations to make it more official than the current um, thing. But that within the, that new, those new guidelines, there were several actions that were now the responsibility of the advisory committee to carry out that are not specified anywhere in the code or the regulations. Um, so that's kind of a, a nutshell of, of their duties. Um, so then we talk about, uh, we have proposed, it's in the, we'll show it on the next slide, what, what we think might help um, because we think it will lead to a larger pool of candidates, that it would add to the diversity, um, or increases at least increases the possibility that it would add to the diversity. Um, but we also think that we should keep the income threshold for the farmer members as it is. And we've added one uh, change to the language about the person representing the uh, Agricultural Advisory, Advisory Committee, uh, suggesting that the advisory committee itself be the one that um, recommends to the executive who's going to represent them instead of um, the executive uh, taking it upon himself or herself to make that recommendation. So uh, this is in the staff report, but uh, we thought that if we change the membership criteria from seven to nine members, that it would help with the workload question, but it would also give a lot of opportunities for a lot of different voices to be on the committee uh, compared to the very um, strictly defined categories that are currently uh, the membership criteria. And so we kept the three members who operate commercial farmland and have make 50% of their income. We did remove the owner operator on the uh, off chance that it's a farmer that leases farmland we didn't think it was essential that they own the farmland, just that they are farmers. Uh, and then we added a member who grows primarily table crops along rustic roads because this is important for our, our food supply. And uh, it's a different type of farmer 
many times than than those who um, are doing the, the commodity pro crops. Uh, we've combined um, the rural preservation technique uh, expert. Um, we've suggested that it doesn't necessarily have to be so specific. It could also be someone who's an expert in tourism or historic sites along the roads, or perhaps is a member of a religious institution on, the, on a rustic road. Uh, and then the, we kept the roadway engineering one as currently in the code. And then uh, number five, where it says lives in an area where there are rustic roads, this, this is our attempt at cleaning up the language where there's currently someone who represents civic associations that are in the ag reserve, somebody who represents civic associations outside the ag reserve but where there's rustic roads. And we don't think that it's important that that person be a member of some other civic association just so they can be a member of this one. So we thought, why, why do they have to be a civic association member just to be on this committee as well? So we just left it with someone who lives in an area where there's rustic roads. Uh, now we have added the operates an agritourism business um, because this has uh, become increasingly important part of our ag reserve lately. And then we have, uh, we, we had a lot of input from bicyclists who told us how much they love these roads and we thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if somebody that rides a bike on these roads all the time could be a member but we expanded it to say anybody's that's using these for any type of outdoor recreation might be an adequate person. And again, these members would all be appointed by the county executive. So it would be up to the county executive to manage how much diversity um, is possible within these categories. Can I go back a ways at this point uh, to the, the duties of the of the RRAC, um, there was objection to the use of the word courtesy reviews in a couple of places. Um, I believe that's only in your staff report and not in the any legislation or any draft that, that we're that's proposing. Correct. That's correct. Well, if you do another staff report, you might try a different word, a different. Uh, you know, but 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 uh, I mean that's not a plan recommendation anywhere. So, all right. So if you'll take care of that one, that's good. Continue on. Yeah, it's it's more on the. Um, uh, I, well, if anybody else has anything on the scope thing they want to add, no. We do have one more slide about the duties that is another recommendation. Oh, okay. um, so we can come I back. I never to, know your slide packs. Well, right? this, this, the, it was, <laughs> I, 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 sometimes ordering these items in the report um, makes sense at the time and then you get to the presentation <laughs> and you're like, oh, I probably should have talked about this earlier. Uh, so we were suggesting that chapter 49 be amended to, to be more explicit about these things that they are doing anyway or that have been scattered about in in different chapters of, of the county code or the executive regulations. So we think that the language suggested on, on this slide at least summarizes um, what they're already doing um, and makes it clear in Chapter 49 that this is what they should be doing. 
Um, but then, you know, the, that's coupled with this previous slide of who's going to be the ones that are on the committee doing this kind of work. So there's, there's two decisions that kind of all, both feed off of each other. Can I ask a preliminary question? I just have a preliminary question because it kind of does get to these other questions. Okay, what percent of rustic roads are, are in, the, in the ag reserve? Because that, that's one of your criteria here that you can, one member who lives in an area where there are rustic roads. Now, I live in Maydale Cloverly, and I know we have rustic roads. So I, I can't see people in Maydale Cloverly, you know, going over that way to, to, to be involved in, in this. So that... If, if the concern is about expanding the um, um, membership of this body in a way that could potentially um, increase um, representation, then if it's just people who live in the Ag Reserve, we're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. This language is not going to get you there. Well, uh, well, I mean, this doesn't say you have to live in the Ag Reserve. It's, I know, but that's why I asked. What and, percentage and, oh, of and, rustic roads I, are in the Ag Reserve? I, I don't know. I would say two-thirds, three-fourths of them are in the Ag Reserve. And Patrick Butler is, is trying to see if he can pull up the map oh, okay. on the, the difference. So, um, so instead of saying... Uh, what's in five alone, I would suggest you say what's in five, one member who lives in an area, oh, you cut it off, I can't read, it's no, in the dark. I can't read it in the map. dark. Okay. Uh, um, that, that there is language that says, okay, oh, here it is, one member who lives in an area where there are rustic roads that are not in the Ag Reserve. If you want to, if, if diversity is what you seek, that's where you're going to have to go. Um, I, I don't have any problem with the movie increasing from seven to nine. I don't have any problem with the other things that you have, that have been proposed about membership criteria, except um, I really think this 50% requirement for farm income is probably just doesn't, I, I don't understand why it's necessary. Um, you know, as the nature of farming changes, um, especially family farms, you know, people often have to take jobs outside of, of farming in order to just, you know, stay in farming. So, so I don't know who's determining this 50%. I don't know why. You know, I don't know how, I mean, maybe it could be some uh, who, who earns a substantial portion or more than half or I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's 50 percent. I don't know what to say, but, but, but I think a hard and fast percentage um, really limits it to people who may um, just be the same old people all the time. Commissioner Presley, you would like to say something? 
Yes, I, I understand uh, Commissioner Hill's perspective, but when I was looking at this, I was thinking for those who are those particular representatives. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's Branson. You said Hill. That's where we were coming. I, oh, I did. I, I've been called everybody's name here today. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I think it's better if I call you Commissioner Cherie. <laughs> yes, I do understand your perspective on that. But what I was thinking in particular is that it, it's imperative for those who are representing the commercial farming group to be able to have a voice that is representative of them. So if we reduce it, there are people then who are bringing a perspective to the table that is not representative of those who are using the the same extent of big farming machinery, et cetera. So I'm wondering if that's you know a, a significant reason not to reduce the percentage because if people are making their money from other either equally or predominantly from other sources, then they're not going to weigh in as heavily about the the conditions that are needed on the road to have their combines and their things, you know, passing on that road. Is that, can the staff explain their position on that? Um, we no longer need to, because uh, that's exactly <laughs> uh, the reasoning. It's it's the, the commodity farmers do a different type of farming than those who are just growing vegetables or something. They have huge 16, 18 foot wide uh, pieces of equipment that they have to move from field to field on these roads. They, it's critical to their businesses that the vegetation be maintained on these roads, you know, up to a height of, you know, we have uh, now 18 feet uh, just to give mm -hmm. a couple feet extra because they've been getting their expensive GPS receivers on top of their their equipment has been breaking off from branches. Mm -hmm. So the the way that these commodity farmers use the roads is, even though there's probably fewer than 40 of them now, if I recall the numbers, it's critical mm -hmm. for their business. And they want to make sure that, that it's always understood that, that agriculture is important. It's a county Believe, really believes that, that continuing these agricultural activities are, are important for the county, then it's critical that they be on this committee so that they can make sure that their voice mm -hmm. is not diminished. Okay, thank you. But, but, there, but this is not the only voice they have. There's also an agricultural advisory committee, right? I mean, that's, that's, where, that's where part of this membership is being drawn from. I'm just saying, you know, I totally understand the whole farm issue. Um, I'm just saying that this is not the only place they have, and I'm just expressing some concern about this 50% requirement um, because that that could that could, um, like I said, you could end up with the, if the concern is you got to figure out you got to figure out which problem you're trying to fix. If the concern is it's the same folks um, and there is no diversity because it's the same folks, well, number one, make sure that it's probably going to be the same folks. <laughs> you know? So so you got to figure out which problem you're trying to fix. Um, and this 50% requirement, I'm saying if you lowered it a bit, um, you might get some different folks. Well, sure. Number one, we, we have a recommendation from the RRC that said, never mind. 
Yeah, this is where I'd like you to come up and explain your position, if you'd like, on uh, what's wrong with trying to expand your membership uh, in a way different from what you had recommended. Mr. Chair, can I inject one point here? Because sure. it's a novel idea that isn't on the table yet. I'd like to put it on the table. And it has to do with the Agricultural Advisory Committee seat. I don't understand why there's any other requirement for that seat than recommended by the Agricultural Advisory Committee. Because it seems to me that committee should be able to decide who's its best advocate. And that might be a feed provider, and that might be a tractor repairman, that might be a lawyer from up county. I think if we're saying a seat is reserved for them, they should determine what, who's the best advocate. So I, that's just a, a variation I'd like to put here. All right, we're, we're just leaving up as the, I think we're leaving it up still to the county executive to recommend. Um, no, that, well, that's a requirement written in the instruction for this composition, right? And I just, that's one that doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Um, but, I've got but, another position to say, but let's hear from Well, the, the first thing is, is should we drop this all and just go back to the existing, uh, existing uh, membership? Is that really your position? Thank you, yeah. Laura Bennett and Chair of Rustic Roads Advisory Committee. This is kind of just what we didn't want to have to get into when we saw the recommendations and we thought about this. I mean, and I think Commissioner Branson is hitting on a lot of it. A lot of this doesn't promote any further racial equity on the committee, which we can try to do ourselves. But when you look at these recommendations, wineries and breweries, I mean, there's eight of them in the county. Six of them are really expensive build-out. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and some properties that are huge and have longtime landowners who've been here for, you know, generations. They're not set up by immigrants with not enough money even to have a farm stand. So that doesn't advance it. I mean, several provisions here don't. And again, the income test. And I think, Commissioner Hill, to answer your question, the um, the farmer income test, they would want, I would, don't speak for Ag Advisor, but I am their liaison. They do want the farmer income test for that provision. Um, and I, I don't know if they would be happy with um, having picking anyone from any walk of life. That's something for you guys to decide. But yes, we've taken the position. We, we did not want to get into a number of changes to the, to the membership requirements that would not further our little goal, which was to be able to recruit different types of farmers and different kinds of people better reflecting the equity, the racial equity and diversity in this county. We don't see that this that this does it. So I, we just, I thought you wanted uh, additional membership to help spread the workload as well. You know, we did, but I mean, if this is how it's going to work out and the income test remains the same, overall this package is not something we feel comfortable with. And we're willing to just slug it out with our members and not put everyone through this. Um, or you, you may end up slugging it out with the council. I think we probably wouldn't. I don't know that we want to. I, I personally, am, I don't have the energy level after the frustration of going through this plan of going any further on this, really. I think I have a supporting position for you because I find the premise, at least in what we have here, to be too much pigeonholing. And it strikes me, and even with the existing membership requirements, that we're really, um, we're, we're reducing the possibility of racial diversity, which is I think what we're talking about with equity, right? And um, 
but I, I, conceptually, I, I support the idea of the 50% income requirement for farmers, not owners, but farmers, um, because I think to be a farm and represent farm interests, you got it. That's what you have to do. And is 50% of the magic bullet? No, but I can't come up with a better one to say, yeah, you're a farmer, right? If you have another job, the more your income comes from, you're really that, not the farmer any longer. So I, and I, I don't want to diminish the agricultural influence on this particular situation unless it's just very inadvertently because we increase the size. But I think there are two other sort of necessary or really valuable points of view to have on this committee. One is the engineering one, right? Having someone that knows about the engineering is a good one. And I think the preservationist point of view, we can be a little broader on what the preservation point of view is that is. I think that's it. I think everything else should be at large, whether that's two more at large or four more at large comes down to how many you want on it. But it seems to me that the approving authority should be looking at the diversity of the panel and accomplishing that. What, and and that, that may change over time, right? You, every appointment, you may want to get some other angle on it to be economic diversity, occupational diversity, racial ethnicity diversity, all of those. But I think the approving authority takes that responsibility. Um, so I think we accomplish that by having more at-large seats and not having this premise of all these different types of users are mandated. Commissioner um, Presley? Just, oh, I'm, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the one thing I, I want to just point out here it also is I don't support the idea that we distinguish a member of a religious institution, particularly not in that particular okay. item about preservation, because I don't see your membership in a church is making you qualifying you for sort of the preservationist seat. And I'm also concerned that it kind of tangles up the establishment clause, that we're tying, you know, this quasi-government action to a religious requirement, even if it's ecumenical. So that's what I had to say. Commissioner Presley. I lowered my hand. Commission oh, this time, really, Commissioner Hill answered it. <laughs> Mr. Chair, can you hear me? Yes. I don't see your hand, but I can hear okay. you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I don't know why my camera has been disabled. I don't know whether it's something that's been done. Oh, now somebody enabled it. So I'm not really sure what happened. But anyway, uh, I agree with Commissioner Hill. I think if we have at large, I think that would be better, particularly the uh, what I heard the, uh, the, the person who came and said, you know, there's only a few wineries. I mean, why do we need agricultural agri-tourism agri business. I think if we have the, I, I don't have a problem also with the 50%, I don't know. I, I don't know, I wouldn't know what the percentage is on that three members. But um, if we have at large, then at least the executive who is making the recommendation to the council, he can bring in other people have more diversity or have other criteria. But to the extent that we have all those specific um, members i i also agree with commissioner hill that you know an engineer would be good um uh somebody that, that knows about preservation but you know there should be at least two or three at large so that's that's all i have to say about this thank you i uh, thank you very much for enabling my camera maybe you didn't want to see my face <laughs> <laughs> no we, we did like your now face. i think i can put my camera on you'll be able to see him it's okay um Wow, interesting idea. Um, uh, I guess we, what would you think about more 
at large and just specifying a couple of specialists and having the executive pick? Well, the current membership is the three farmers, a roadway engineering right. expert, and a preservation advisor. Right. Then all it would be doing would be eliminating the civic association requirement, or we, we could when we expanded to nine. Oh, number one, right. They would just you be would at have large. more at, at right. large and right. and not specify the the farming community. I do have a thought on the civic association requirement, and it's rephrased here as living in certain places. It strikes me that. The, most of the people that are going to be interested in serving this on this committee are going to live, are going to meet the living requirement, right? Yeah. So I don't think that has to be a requirement. If I, I think there's a better argument to be said if there's a special interest that civic association officers represent, but I'm not convinced that I know what that is. Yeah, I would just say that maybe that's not true. I mean, somebody in downtown Silver Spring could end up wanting to be on the advisory committee. So, um, again, be fine. Well, that's fine, but I, I don't think I'm we're going to go find nine yeah, members or sure. seven members in Silver Spring. And, and I did want to clarify, um, because admittedly I was, I was a little confused the direction you were going. It wasn't, wasn't clear to me if you were going to stick with seven with the three farmer members, then the uh, engineer and the preservationist, and that the remaining two would be at large, or if you were still... As a as a board, leaning towards adding a couple members, and then that there would be four uh, right. at large members. My, my so. position wasn't determinative on the total number. I <laughs> yeah, think that's up yeah. in the air. But, but we think, should. But but the idea that we have we have farmers represented well, we have a preservationist, we have an engineer. Everything else should be at large, and that provides opportunities for diversity of whatever that is. And it's the approving authority or the appointing authority rather that kind of has to follow that and accomplish that. That happens on our board, right? Yeah, yeah. And not, not to, you know, re, replow ground, but just to, I think, state from a staff member's perspective, um, this was our, uh, you know, best effort at responding to the issues that were raised about adding a diversity of, of farmers, um, adding, uh, you know, other categories, uh, perhaps people that uh, the existing criteria were not, Casting as wide a net to to be inclusive, and so this was our response at trying to address the issues that were raised that we thought the RAC was trying to get at, uh, albeit differently than they proposed. Um, so again, that was our genuine effort at that. But if, if I, I, I see the merit in that, but I think that what we might say for that is, you know, these are at large seats, and and here are the type of of uh, specializations that might be desirable to include here, but but not. Right. Carve out seats for it. I mean, I think if you go to nine members, number one, so we get to the membership that the RIC said they wanted, and you leave it up to the um, executive to pick the non specialized members, uh, doesn't that satisfy? The RAC? I, I would just like to say we're, the position we took, which was just to withdraw this, I think is preferable because these, a lot of these suggestions have come to the planning board from people who are not generally supportive of the program. And once this goes to council with something in the master plan that opens up membership, it's not going to look like what you all have put in your plan is my concern. And I think you would have some experience with that, Mr. Chairman. So we think we'd be better off dealing with our current membership requirements, trying to achieve some diversity on our own, which we have shown you we're committed to, and leave all this as is. 
Can I just clarify for the record, Tanya Stern, Acting Planning Director, the additional suggestions in terms of categories from which to find uh, members, these ideas actually came from planning staff. Um, I actually had conversations with the staff. <clears throat> Again, and as Patrick noted, we you know, took this as an opportunity to provide some ideas and some options for the board to consider in order to respond to to the feedback that we heard from the committee and from others in terms of making sure the farmers had good representation and looking for opportunities uh, to diversify the uh, the membership. We're all trying here. Yeah, yeah. This was in response <laughs> to the testimony received at the public hearing uh, from the RAC and others that supported the right. position at the time. Understood. But ultimately, you know, again, my perspective, which I've shared with the staff, is you know, these are ideas, these are options, and ultimately, you know, we look to the board in terms of your. Your feedback, and it sounds like just to make sure that we're all clear, uh, keeping the categories that exist today, uh, but if, just to make sure we put a fine point on it, expanding it to nine members, and then basically the remainder will be at-large members with no specific criteria noted, or do you still want to also include here some ideas in terms of criteria? I, you know what? I think that um, it's really important well, two things. Yes, keep keep the uh, the members at large, but note the specific criteria, not as a requirement, but hey, these are categories you may want to look at. And the reason I say that is because um, it's very important for people to, I mean, people are going to self-nominate. Right? I mean, they're going to seek out these appointments. If they don't know that, oh, you might be looking for somebody like me. I ride my bike in the rustic road all the time, you know, so that people have an idea that they belong, you know, and because people don't have an idea, they're not, they're not going to apply. Um, so, so, so that is, um, that, that, that's my recommendation. Say it again. How many members? Nine. Yeah. The and staff recommended nine, right? right. Is that yes, correct? They did. Keep the nine voting members recommended by staff. Keep the current criteria for for the the, the seven. Pre, for the seven. Okay, with the exception of the civic association, we can fight about that later. Keep the current criteria for the seven. Okay, and as to the additional two. Um, Make them at large, but in the description include the, the kinds of things that staff has already included. Agribusiness, excuse me, agritourism, recreation, you know, all that stuff. Can Preservation. I make, can I make one more suggestion just, I think, to help ensure that um, as the current and future county executives make decisions, to support uh, more racial equity uh, or more, more uh, representation um, on the uh, committee, we could maybe just add in that description that you just noted um, uh, some language basically referencing the racial equity social justice at law in the county, you know, and to encourage uh, to, uh, to, to uh, encourage uh, racial and ethnic diversity as you make these selections. So something something like that. Because the law, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but it may have some language in, in that kind of speaks to that. In the overall description, not in just the at-large. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sure. Yes. Uh, did staff understand that? 
Yes. I you think got it? I think yes. And then um, I, I just uh, sorry one one more clarification too on on uh, an idea. Real Commissioner Hill also put out the uh, idea that um, the AAC uh, uh, you know designate or be included in that process to designate their member. Um, was that still a part of the recommendation that the board is discussing now? I just want to make sure we had that clear uh, as well. I would support that. Is that a part of the current? Is, no. is that a part of the current law that the AAC? Yes. One of the seats oh, is an AAC member mm -hmm. and okay. a 50 percent farmer. Yeah, I, I, well, I think it should just yeah. be whoever the AAC recommends. Yeah. Right, and I think uh, the staff I recommendation agree. was that uh, the AAC would would officially designate their member for consideration by uh, I, I so right now it doesn't actually say that i think it should be written down yeah very explicit <laughs> that's the key piece yes, so yeah. who remembers and we'll do and that who doesn't know right doesn't that a problem i mean that should overcome their concerns about the 50 percent problem if they're the recommending place yeah, uh, just yeah so to be sure on that. i have a question about that so right now all three members must earn 50 percent um, it sounds like you're suggesting that the AAC member doesn't have to meet the 50% requirement. That's correct. But yeah. what about the other two? I, I would keep the other two. Or I would advise. So we have two farmer members who are owner operators who earn 50% or more of their income from farming. One member is recommended by the AAC. Uh, one who knows rural preservation techniques. One who knows roadway engineering. Um, so then we had this question about the exist. This is the existing criteria. So we're modifying number one slightly, keeping two and three, four and five specifies that they represent civic associations, and we were suggesting that that language be removed. So we're not sure where we stand with that, and whether these two still exist, like some a person who lives in the ag reserve and a person who lives outside the ag reserve where there are rustic roads. And then we have two at large in addition to that. I would think you had four at large with uh, these are the conditions that you might uh, meet. Uh, okay. uh, Commissioner Presley has something to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm really opposed to removing one of the three who are 50% or more, especially with the addition of two additional members that truly waters down what we have previously considered true farmers in a commercial sense. Um, I'm fully in agreement, apparently my dog is too, with the, with keeping, you know, keeping it that the RRAC decides on those two additional members with some guidance, but I would not tamper with the three owners, you know, three owner operators at 50%. I would leave that as it is add the two at large with the, with the uh, clarity that that's obviously the RRAC decides, and then with some of our guidance as to what types of backgrounds and positions should we, we believe should be considered for those roles. And you wouldn't be okay with just allowing the Ag Advisory Committee to make their own nomination and determine their own criteria? Well, on the 50% or more, um, no, I think 50%. It, somebody. Uh, no, I I think that isn't that already existing. That, yeah. Isn't that the current? Yeah. So why would why would we reduce that? That had a purpose. If someone gets in in the future and says like, you know, I know the farmers are going to want us to widen the road, so I don't. We're going to pick people who are less than fifty percent who may not have as much of a concern towards that. Um, I think it's really important to leave 
the 50% or more in and have the authority and guidance over the at large and the other nominations. I mean, they can still nominate who of those people are 50% or more, but it, it doesn't make sense to me to reduce that, uh, especially when we're adding more people who are not farmers. Okay, I think we, we have to vote on the three members first and, and decide. Mr. Chair, can I, can I recommend we decide whether we have seven or nine members? Because I think the rest okay. of the balance may come from All that. Right. We'll vote on whether okay. we have seven or nine members. Yes, I'll recognize you. Thank you, Barbara Hoover. I move. Wait, wait, wait a second. Advisory committee. Um, I would like also to know what has happened to our request to withdraw the the proposition about expanding the committee, um, because everything I'm hearing about this discussion, it just feels so haphazard, honestly, and it also feels like the whole discussion is about. Who's taking the greater control of the committee? Like we're opposite. It's still on the table. Okay, thank you. Anybody can recommend it if they wish. Well, just in response to that, um, I think a Pandora's box is opened here, and one of the most important priorities is getting diversity on this body. And it seems to me the existing composition isn't doing that. And and we kind of have heard testimony that's going to be a problem. So I would be very much in favor of at least making some opening, even if we keep seven people, to have you know, some at-large positions. And um, that, that's my f feeling on that. All right. And we had a, a former recommendation to go to nine. That's now converted back to uh, keep the seven. No. So. Okay. Can I be clear? Uh, yes, okay. you can. Director Stern, I thought, indicated that the staff was I don't, ratifying, embracing, or even making the nine-member expansion. Is that, is that accurate? The, the staff is making the nine-member uh, expansion. Is that correct? Yes, it is. It, okay. In response so. to RRAC. Doesn't matter. Well, well, the the well, staff has ratified that. They've accepted that. And so so I, I think that's the first thing we should vote on because that is what staff has that that the the notion that there shall be nine members. And and then after that we can vote on the composition of those nine members. That would be my suggestion. All those in Mr. favor of nine members. Or um, somebody I, make a motion. I move <laughs> that we, we um, uh, accept the staff recommendation that the RRAC membership be increased to nine voting members. Okay. Can I second that motion? Is it, all those in favor say aye. 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 All right, so we're in nine members. Now, who wants to make a motion on the first three? Nobody. Mr. Chairman, I move that the three of the nine members, in accordance to what this, in, 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 yeah, in accord with what the staff has recommended, that three of the nine members operate commercial farming, uh, excuse me, operate commercial farmland earning 50% or more of their income from farming 
one of whom is a representative of the Agricultural Advisory Committee and has been recommended by the executive, excuse me, recommended to the executive by the AAC. I second that. Discussion? Discussion? Yeah, um, my preference would be, if we're at nine members, is to keep the three members that are commercial farmers and make the AAC another slot. Because I think that compromises on the concern if we increase the number of the seats that the farmers are less represented, and it, that also would enable us to uh, take my suggestion of saying the AAC gets to name their advocate regardlessly and keeps the three people that kind of satisfies the farm interests. That's my preference. That, that makes sense, and I therefore remove my second from the first motion. <laughs> so in other words, so what Commissioner Hills recommend or motion or recommending is that there'll be three members earning 50% or more and another one. So there will be four agricultural represent commercial farmland represented, one of them recommended by the AAC. Yeah, so I it will be four of the nine representing uh, agricultural or commercial interest. I would characterize that just a little bit different in saying we're not changing the farming requirement, but we are in a sense making another specialization. So we have engineering and we have preservation and we have agricultural advisory committee. And then we have three that are at large. That's my preference for how we handle this. And the agricultural representative doesn't have to meet the, uh, the 50% is Correct. what you're saying. That's right. It's, it's what the agricultural advisory committee thinks speaks best for them. So it'd be four out of the nine representing yeah, farm, nine. farmers. And I'm sorry to stick well, out a legend there, but that's, know, that's a compromise because they may not be happy about the two new members. So instead of three out of seven, you're talking about four out of nine. I'd be okay with that. It's, if, that's a, if that's a motion by Commissioner Hill, I'll second it. Well, we have a motion on the table we have to handle first. No, okay. we can. <laughs> That was a friendly amendment. You want to make it? Okay. Yeah. Well, you accept it as a friendly I amendment? I accept it as a friendly amendment. Okay. All right. So okay. I, I think, and that would be a, a total amendment for the membership because it's three yeah. plus one, uh, three at large, mm -hmm. and then the two specialists, and I forgot. Uh, Engineering and preservation. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Sounds okay by me. So that would be uh, six. No. Let's see. Would it, would it be six and then three at large? I'm a lawyer. Three at large. Two. Nope, we got nine there. Yeah. Four farmers, oh. Oh. the transportation oh. engineer, historic preservationist, and the three at large right. that will add and, up to nine. And a large, you can yeah, name all be the specialists that are possible. And, and the, the three right. sevenths versus the four ninths is basically the same percentage, same representation, right. so by expanding the farmer member. Yeah, okay. I okay. Uh, I, all okay. those in favor Clear. of that idea, I'll, we'll make it as a motion. Aye. 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 All right, Aye. I think we've got a committee Aye. set up. Do we have any other business? Yeah, so thanks for asking, this we is do. Your cue to say we no. have a little, a few more slides. Um, so we have the notion that Chapter 49 should be amended to include the duties 
that have already been identified as as being they're supposed to be performed by REC, but they're not specifically called out in Chapter 49. As long as you don't have courtesy duties in there. Okay, so no courtesy duties. Um, so is that a? You agree that this should be a recommendation in the plan that that Chapter 49 be amended? Uh, well, yeah, right. Um, I was okay with it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, Anything else? I like to be clear. Um, so then there was a notion that there be a full-time staff member uh, to help with the duties of the committee. And, and that one's up to DOT. DOT's the staffer for this one. Yes, that's right. That was that was our, our stand as well. But, as, but we, we did just recommend that we increase maintenance. This, this one, uh, personnel, I'm always more iffy at than I am on just money. If they want to use some money in maintenance for this pers person, I, you know. Yeah, and, you know, I, I would really have some trouble with that. Um, I, I would suggest that instead of the language that says a, dedicate a full-time staff member, that um, that instead the language say that um, that there should be sufficient support, sufficient support, and a and a dedicated member, a, a dedicated staff member, you know, like a liaison. Uh, that's better. A dedicated liaison right. to the um, to to the uh, committee. Is there one already? I support that. <laughs> Just to be clear, there, there is one. Darcy Buckley is the representative for MCDOT that's assigned to the Rust Rose Advisory Committee. So, see, they have then accomplished a goal already. Already. And, and, and we did bring uh, someone from DOT if you had specific questions about that. Um, but it, it says right now in the code, the chief administrative officer must provide the committee with staff offices and supplies as are, and it says appropriated for it. I think it meant appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can clean yeah. that word up. Uh, um, excuse me? Oh, appropriated to, oh, I see, right. So yeah. it's correct. Oh. Yeah, because. My mistake. Um, so that's that's how it's currently is worded. That, is, that, is, that is that sufficient that's... for you without? Yeah. All right. Okay. We're okay as it is. Uh, and finally, there was this notion that the RAC, um, took exception to being referred to simply as a stakeholder of the plan because their role is bigger than that. And we thought, well, this is what we understand the word stakeholder to mean, no matter how big your role is, um, that it's an, you're an important part of that plan. So we did not want to change the language in the plan to say that they are not stakeholders. So what what was the alternate what suggestion? I don't know what the alternate suggestion was. It, it just seemed um, that they took exception to a word that we thought was used in a rather straightforward manner. Is, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, unless we have another word to compare it to, I don't know what what to you know what to uh, what to think. We hadn't thought we'd get to comment on this, but perhaps something like key supporters and advisors or key proponents. Stakeholders sound like the right word. Then that's fine. Okay. Um, and then finally, um, okay. oh, oh, there's a question on the. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Commissioner Presley, I think. Yes. 
Uh, it might be the dog waving in the background. I can't tell. She's she's on mute. Oh, you're on mute. I'm sorry. I said unraised. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then there's one minor matter here. Um, we would actually like the board to approve this plan with the suggested revisions uh, and transmit it as the planning board draft to county council. Are, are you clear on, is the staff clear on all of the revisions? Yes, it was clear. Okay, and everybody taking notes is clear on all of the revisions? Just checking in here. <laughs> Uh, I'll entertain a motion to approve. Mr. Chairman, I move that we approve the plan with the, with approved revisions um, as the planning board draft plan and tr and transmit this to the county council. And I second Commissioner Branson's motion. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no further, yes, further discussion, Mr. Hill? Uh, can read a vote. Oh, all, the, all those in favor say aye. 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 Thank you, everybody. Are you adjourning? We are uh, adjourned. That was our last item. Uh, we'll see you in a week. <laughs>